0: enjoy the show out boom what's going on guys Byron rogers here once again uh, with my co-host luke agjanian what's up we're going to talk a little bit about something that we do which is church security um and uh it's an honor to do so so um one of the venues that I
1: work at is a large church out here. Actually, Luke, I'll let you break it out. Break it out. Uh, so both of our, our current positions is at a large uh, multi-campus church with, uh, with actually a very large crusade ministry as well. Uh, we have six campuses from New York to Hawaii, and our main campus is here. We have two primary campuses here in the California area. And um, one of those campuses, kind of our main campus, we also have uh, one through, or no, it's K-6 through six school mm-hmm. as well. And just on that campus, over 600, I think we're at like 650 now, uh, employees that work on the campus as well. That's not including school employees. So that's not including the teachers and whatnot. So it's quite a large campus, a lot of people, uh, big footprint in a not-so-safe neighborhood, And uh, I guess we can get into that when we get closer to talking about how we set up security at that church. Yeah. Uh, One of the reasons, obviously,
0: with the changes that have been taking place in American culture, um, church security seems to be kind of a new frontier. Uh, There are a lot of, I mean, I'm getting contacted at least every month and for a while there was on a weekly basis um, about church security just because, Um, just because of things that we're seeing in the news. But I think there's the reality of keeping a church safe is it's got so much more to do with just your lone wolves and terrorist operations, although those things do. um, They are considerations. I think uh, something that I think is appropriate to outline is that when it comes to think of a church, you're talking about a body of human beings or your place of worship, you're talking about a body of human beings. What I've seen to be kind of the number one Uh, I guess we use the word threat or security consideration, is really dealing with kind of what the churches do, which is attract people that need help and counsel people that need help. Mm -hmm. And that is where I'm experiencing the most activity and friction with regards to keeping this place safe. So that was something, you know, and then beyond that, you still have, you know, your terrorist activity and your... All that stuff that still does actually take place and does actually happen. There's so much for us to say on this topic. It's <laughs> this I mean, is, you this put might it, be a Maybe you can.
1: Maybe you can repeat it. But you said something to the effect to somebody recently, another like professional colleague, where you were like, "Hey, man, this job has." a wider array of security concerns than anything else you've ever worked yeah it was something it was something to that nature yeah
0: I was like I I remember saying like I've been around the world you know I've done executive protection and I've you know I've done a number of things in a number of different venues but nothing has required more consistently from me than working um, church security or working within the realm of like faith based organizations uh, it's just the nature of this business is sticky. I mean, you, even if you think about what we're doing in Iraq, like those types of enemies are legit, are legitimate enemies, or you know, the, the, the religious extremists and things like that. But the thing is, I mean, with a the church, there's so many different types of threats that you're looking for and that you're trying to deal with, whilst keeping, you know, the church's mission before your mission, because if you mess up the church's mission, You're not, you know, if you come in there and you're ultra security heavy, and um, you're not able to uh, to 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 do your security in a way that works into the mission of the religious or uh, the 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 church organization you're working for, you're gonna get axed. They're gonna need someone else to do your job because that mission's going to come first. Um, So these are just a few considerations, just kind of getting started. Um, and that's probably the biggest distinguishing factor between normal security and, and working for you know, a place of faith is that you can't just do security. You're not just going to bounce somebody. You're not just going to uh, you know, deal with the threat alone all the time. It's that you have to have one hand to heal and one hand you know, to do the harder parts of our job at the same time all the time you've got to be extra diplomatic even getting a good security program implemented is it's a it's a feat nightmare. in and of itself <laughs> <laughs> you know um, and there's we have a method here that me and Luke have seen work um, that we'll share with you guys that I think can help a lot of um, men and women out there that are trying to provide high quality security for their churches and might be running into some kind of red tape and some some politics and and things like that,
1: you know? Yeah, what what I really wanna just share with you guys is sort of um, my history, how I got here, how I got this job. I've been at this job now uh, five years. Mm-hmm. Financially, it is a fantastic job. I'm extremely happy living it. I live well in the Southern California area. Um, it's great, it's a great career. It's very consistent. This is where I plan on spending um, the rest of my career for me. And uh, it's it's a good, consistent place of, of business, and I'm very happy doing it. And it's uh, it's just good work, you know? Like mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine doing something else right now <laughs> yeah. for me and, and where I'm at in my life. Um, but I, I just wanted to go into kind of the history of how I got this job, because I think you guys could learn a lot from that. And then I want to go into the different protocols, the security measures that we have here at this church without, I don't want to get too in depth on that, Yeah. but I do want to share some of them because some of those large measures that if you come to our church, that any bad guy would see, some of those measures took a lot of work to make happen. And I yeah. think, I know there's somebody out there, I mean, I get phone calls on a weekly basis from... Other guys at church, whether they're staff members, some of them are pastors, some of them are maybe like, hey, I just got hired to do security at this church. And this is kind of the stories I share with them. These are the things I talk to them about. And yeah. sort of what I'm planning on doing is kind of what happened with our other podcast, How to Get You Know Started in Executive Protection. I want to be able to turn people to this so yeah. they can have this and they can, they can take in all this information and learn and, reference, and yeah, learn yeah, from yeah. it, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll do a part two someday, like where we get a little more in detail, especially when it comes to uh, protocols, SOPs, equipment is kind of an important one, at least for us here in California. It's obviously yeah. a, a bit different yeah. because uh, <laughs> the laws dictate such, but you know, there's, there's you can provide a. We provide a very high level of security, and in a lot of people's opinion. People I've come in contact with, within the FBI, Homeland Security, Secret Service, uh, as well as other private security entities that have come and visited our church, they look at our church as like a staple for the yeah. what the most that can be done. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that you're going to be able to go and implement everything we did in our church, but you can get pretty close for not a lot of money. Yeah. And. I think where a lot of churches fail, in my opinion, is the idea of thinking that they need to throw money at every problem. Yeah. And that's something I see. I see churches from directors that I have good relationships with locally here, and I respect them, and I think they have good teams. I just maybe don't agree with the way they're doing things, Mm -hmm. and I definitely don't agree um, with the amount of finances that their church might be pouring into um, those measures and their program. So I think we've done a good job here at managing our budget and doing a lot with a little. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit. So, um, I guess just to get started, uh, how, how I got hired here at the time I got hired, I had about, well, actually I was just doing a background report recently. So I, I know this, but I had over 10 years, Uh, in the executive protection industry at the time, I always had a pretty decent lucrative career. I never not made money. I made really good money, and I was always very happy with uh, the finances I made. And at the time I got hired here, I was working for you, (laughs) which is a funny thing that we'll come back to, but (laughs) technically I would have been under Byron. (laughs) Um, Well, with that detail, it was just different. It was like one big team, but I was an advance agent on a detail that that you were working where you were primarily the AIC and um, I was technically working for Byron and I, you know, long story short, met a girl (laughs) at the time that detail was, I'm humbly saying an aggressive, aggressive travel schedule. The year I met my wife, uh, I was in 27 countries that year, I was in London, I'd done the The British flight one, LAX to Heathrow, 12 times round trip Yeah, that year. uh, It was an aggressive, aggressive travel schedule. And easily I met her in March and I was a member of this church, of the church I work for now. And I, I got to know, I knew the pastor's son and, you know, he talked to me a, a, a little bit about what I do and introduced me to his dad who was the pastor who talked to me some more about what I did and they just asked me if I wanted to start volunteering so I started volunteering as a member of the church but I just worked you know I would at the time they had one guy on staff and he was kind of like the one dude with a gun who followed the pastor around that was kind of their which is kind of the standard like was standard at that. it was just kind of their that was their security protocols and then at times they would put guys in aisles and stuff like that and you know, God bless the guy. He he was he was trying to do his best with what he had. Um, I just don't think he. I think he had a very limited knowledge, and kind of was narrow-minded in how he went about doing it. And I'm not trying to talk bad on the guy, but he just didn't pursue other options. You know, no, so didn't. so the okay. the so Sandy Hook happened, and. Uh, that was kind of a a big thing for our nation as some of you probably remember and he came to me uh, the pastor the head pastor of the church came to me and he said hey will you do a security assessment on our school we have a big school with I think we're at like five or six hundred kids it's quite Hmm. a large school Yeah. Uh, you know he's like and I'm worried about this and and I I just want to know what we need to do and what we can do so I'm like okay now I'm a really good shooter and a fantastic driver that's the most I'll brag about myself. The rest of me is just kind of figuring it out as I go. And you know, it's just okay, the way I was. I know, if there's something I'm going to brag about, it would be my shooting and my well, my combative skills. And I'm pretty stinking good driver. That's about it. I have no idea how to protect a school. Zero. <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what did I do? I contacted friends and colleagues who had set up um, Jewish campuses, Jewish schools, which are, obviously have really good, legit security. At the time, that was kind of... I had asked around some friends, I'm like, hey, see how these Jewish schools handle things because they do a pretty good job. They have a lot yeah. of security measures in place. So I call I contacted him and I asked for his help. And uh, long story short, I submitted about a, a six-page um, you know uh, threat vulnerability uh, assessment. Yeah, vulnerability assessment, and on it had the gentleman's name that helped me and myself. Uh-huh. So the pastor looks at me and he goes, Wait, who's this? I'm like, this is so-and-so, gave him his background, who he worked for, which was a large government agency at the time, and he, he helped me with this. Why did he help you? I don't know how to protect a school, man, I've never done that before. Yeah. So I seeked out the knowledge from another individual who did, and he didn't say much of it. Calls me up the next day and says, hey, I want you to do the same thing for our church and I'll pay you. And I was like, pastor, you don't have to pay me. I'm, I make plenty of money and I'm good. Thank you though, mm-hmm. I appreciate the, the gesture, but sure, I'll do this, give me a couple weeks. You know, put me in contact with with this guy, the the, quote-unquote pastor over security, which is kind of the way it was set up at the time. Okay. And let me just have a conversation with him. Again, no idea how to protect a piece of property. I've never done that before. I've never had to set up a large static security job. Yeah. And so I contacted a friend from, uh, he was a high up position within the secret service. And I learned a lot. In those phone conversations with him, a lot of a lot of lessons I took from that that I later applied, um, you know. Once I started working here, and the same thing, boss gets the the letter, gets the note, and he sees this guy's name on there and my name. He's like, "Who's this?" I was like, "Curry's." Dot dot dot. So the other guy. What'd you call him for? for I've never protected a piece of property. This is literally what this guy did for you know this illustrious career he had. Yeah. At this level. So of course I asked him what to do. Yeah. So it was shortly after that 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 pastor came back to me and he offered me a job. And I just, I, you know, kind of was like, hey, thank you very much. I'm very happy where I work. You know, no offense, I'm making a lot more money here than I would be here. Yeah. And that's just, you know, I'm sorry that's where I'm at in my life. Um, fast forward, that was... That was in January and we had that, we had a bad, you and I had a bad trip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had a pretty bad trip uh, to another country. <laughs> now between me and him, like, it just, we, we were glad to get on the jet we, at the end of it. We were very happy, happy and lucky to get home and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and it made me start to think about things with that current job where I was working and also... Kind of growing the relationship with my wife, and I kind of learned that in my time doing this, it's very, very hard very to keep hard. a relationship. And Message have Message. a relationship <laughs> yeah, yeah. while you're traveling the world. Yeah, um, and I'd seen that with my friends and, and the struggles they've been through, and that's why I was Captain Single. It yeah. Always was for how many, year, however many years you've known me. Good on you. I just Mr. Single guy. Yep. Good on you. I'd date from time to time and travel yeah. and. You know, this is what it was. Didn't have to go <laughs> so, through the fallout. You know, so it, things had progressed with that that girl in my life. And I, I kind of was like, I don't know. Honestly, the Lord just kind of told me, like, you need to get out of this and you should go back to this. So I came back to the pastor, kind of showed him. I basically showed him, like, yeah, hey, this is what I make right now. Can you get even remotely somewhere close to that? And he, they made me a, a fantastic, respectable, respectable offer. And I took the offer and I started working here. Um, so when I first started this job I started primarily just doing the things that I knew which was close protection so you know I would kind of just with the pastor all the time yeah I was like a body man yeah you know and that's all I knew but I remembered some things that 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 Secret Service agent had told me Um, let's call him uh, Joe so I remember those things Joe told me and i i then kind of contacted him and had some conversations with him and he and he just sort of shared some of the protocols and the sops that the secret service uses and kind of their like methodologies and if the like like we're not just protecting one person yeah. you know we're protecting a building a route a a, like warrior. it's a much bigger yeah. thing and he's like when you start thinking about it that way you don't have to worry about this mm-hmm. and man that i took that that was kind of like a like a, a big eye-opener. Um, another thing he got me involved in immediately was he put me in touch with local Homeland Security representatives. And at the time we had, <clears throat> we had a guy, there's a, a girl who's doing it here in our area now, but before it was a guy. And he came and then one of the lead guys from our local JTTF um, uh, fusion center came and they met me at the church. And I was just like, hey guys, I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. will you help me out <laughs> and they looked at me and they just kind of like were like you yeah. really don't do i'm like oh, i don't know what i'm doing to man start a relationship i could use some help here anything social dynamics you guys right can do yeah. so they offered through homeland security they offer a course called protective measures it's a 16 hour course and i was like hey i'll host it yeah bring it and they were like really yeah i'm got this massive campus with tons of rooms and places we can and meet we got a cafe and, stuff, and coffee yeah. and everything else. So we hosted that course. That course opened up my eyes a lot and it, it totally changed my mindset and how I took the security at, at this church. And I stopped worrying about protecting a single person and I started worrying about protecting the people. Yeah. And that was a big change for me. And it was a very big change for my security volunteers as well, yeah. as well as a few of the staff members that I had hired on after I came on. Um, you know, I I took over a budget that was really mismanaged and a lot of money wasted, and I started putting that money to good good use and good work. And up until last year, I hadn't had a a, a bump in that original budget that I had. Mm-hmm. So and I was pretty proud of that. When you look at what. I was able to do the level of security. I was able to uh, provide. provide at that time with that money. So I was really happy about that and, and proud of that, honestly. Yeah. Um, so I had taken that protective measures course and I started just kind of picking people's brains and just, and just sort of learning how to do this. And my mindset changed, like I said, from protecting one person to protecting the body, to protecting yeah. the entire square. And, I started to think outward, you know, and, and thinking more about having a security presence, you know, the thought of like, I, I'm not going to be this kind of super secret ninja squirrel with like the wireless earpieces. Like people don't even know I'm here. Yeah. It's like, okay, that brief's great. But in reality, you know, what you learn, especially as you start to study some of these attacks and some of these, yeah. some of these active shooters, Case studies. Well, for example, the Orlando guy, um, the uh, the Santa um, sorry San Bernardino guys yeah. uh, they had records they had uh, cases and information they on were places to the they places. said like we're <laughs> not gonna go here because the target is too hard yeah you know so so I just started looking at it like that okay I need to harden this target yeah. you know and without getting into all the the details that encompass that obviously like you guys know what that means or or you should if you don't. But hardening a target is basically making a target uh, a harder place to attack, you know, not just actually having protocols put in place to make it harder to attack, but also make it look like it's harder to attack. Yeah. And a lot of the things that we do here are there, you know, it's, it's, it's a visual deterrence. Yeah. And that's extremely important. And that's something that I personally feel a large majority of the churches are missing. They are missing that visual deterrence.
0: That right there is where you run into your first friction point in implementing uh, church security, which is the visual deterrence, uh, just deterrence in general that comes from having exposed weapons or an obvious overt security presence. Like, this is where the congregation starts to notice and they start being like, "What is something wrong? And when it's genuine, genuine concerns, is something wrong? What's going on? And now you have to manage perception and opinion and the politics get involved. So this is like kind of your first sticking point, you know, because it's all, it it reefs well, it's good on paper. And then you put it out there and then you're going to get resistance from the congregation naturally.
1: Um, And... Yeah how did we, how did we well, I'll deal with say that? Because it went well. It went well. Kind of going back sure. to the Secret Service. Uh-huh. And I understand that we are not the Secret Service. We don't have a badge and we can't walk up to any law enforcement officer mm-hmm. anywhere in the country and say, you, you're doing this. That doesn't work. We don't get to do that. And you know, especially in executive protection, I, I know for a fact I've I've worked with some Secret Service guys that are absolutely that. unbelievable <laughs> human beings. Yeah. I mean, these are the cream of the crop. Yeah. You know, you're not working there unless you are. Yeah. Having said that, I've had a lot of them have a hard time adjusting to the social skills that are in place with asking people to <laughs> help them. The private side of close of executive protection. Yeah. <laughs> like they're used to walking in a hotel room and being like, Give me these Give assets. me this, this and this. We have to like basically wine and dine a front desk girl or guy like that front desk girl hey or guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, is your can client you help me <laughs> they are
0: your client for that five or ten minutes oh, absolutely to get what you want to get like um, bring them a, something bring them some chocolates from up the street <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: so so when i when i the first thing i started doing was i would say one of the first things was i needed to make my team larger i needed more <clears> volunteers <throat> and we are very much a volunteer based um Church in in general, we have a massive volunteer, like a core group of volunteers throughout the church. Um, I want to say that just our ushering staff is in the 400s. You know, it's insane. (laughs) Our security staff now at this time is currently um, just right under 300. And that's amazing. Uh, Managing them is, well, we'll get to that later. But So I I just started opening it up and I started going to like our men's ministry. I started uh, to our women's ministry (laughs) Uh, because some of the best, you know, individuals we have here are females. Yep. And that's one of the best things about having a multi-layered approach. And yeah, I mean, I'll get into this in a bit. (laughs) I'm going to have you kind of dive into that because that's what I brought you in for originally. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, so I just started asking, trying to get people and we have a whole process that we go through here. When bringing on volunteers, yeah, um, I'll just give it to you guys, and maybe you can utilize this. But uh, one, we have a we have a start to follow class, which is kind of a basics, you know, on our core principles at the church. At the church, right? Uh, you have to have been going there for for six months, mm-hmm. and then we have a ministry questionnaire that you have to fill out, and you have, it, it's basic kind of what you doct- should know doctrine about. that you should understand and yeah. and know. And then there's also a place in there for you to put pastors you have relationships with, and then other members in the church like references mm-hmm. and. I actually and you people have to get like a reference letter. You, like people need to send in reference yeah they have, have to... S- three reference letters in yeah and sometimes <laughs> I would even call those pastors and those <laughs> guys like I, I really did my background on these people because yeah. of the job that the, I knew they were gonna be doing I'll pull them aside all the time there yeah yo what's up with Joe and right off the bat we we bumped that up to about 40 guys and girls you know really quick out of those 40 I'd say maybe like 15 of those are diehards and this i'm just talking about one campus i had to do this at a whole bunch of campuses but i'm talking about our main campus right now and main campus that 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 gave me a lot of okay well now where do i put them right you know and then started going through through that uh one of my big things we had a guest speaker out here a very well-known guest speaker before i was hired uh he was here and a drunk dude walked up on the stage and just started yelling at him stood right next to him now here's what's hilarious that guy had the secret squirrel little ninja security dude with him who was was sitting being a secret squirrel staring at his cell phone (laughs) missed the person walking on stage and i don't i don't know if he i don't think he got fired over that but it was it was definitely one of those like oh this doesn't work yeah Yeah, whatever you're doesn't work so the very first thing that we we implemented was spots inside of the uh, of the sanctuary mm-hmm. and two of those spots are very visible spots and we literally have a stage right and a stage left uh, guards body like they, they sit there, there and they're kind of tucked back it's not like they're in front of everybody They're it's, it's fairly discreet where they're at but they're in front of the stairs but they're there and they're in front of the stairs and they're facing outward which yeah. what we learned from our previous job is Really, almost the most important position. Exactly, uh, because they're the ones communicating everything that they're seeing. And they're externally.
0: looking out over the entire congregation, and they can see anything coming. Yeah. So their communication is like key. They're like the eyes, kind of our eyes in there.
1: Yeah. And the 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 key, and you're going to find this being kind of a recurring uh, recurring thing here. But the key to implementing that and making it happen was our senior pastor. Yep. Our senior pastor was like, the first time we did it, he got up there, he started joking at him. Mm-hmm. Then he shows the video. <laughs> he's like, I just don't want this to happen to me. So they're this is here. what's happening now. And yeah. he, he like said hi to him and he walked yeah. down, and he like interviews him, you know, and makes it kind of a joking, laughing matter. Yeah. You know, just like, Hey, they're here for your safety. And yeah. he is extremely pro security, yeah. not because he's scared, but because he feels and pastors out there listening to this. It is your responsibility to protect your flock, to protect your congregation. And he Makes takes it very serious upon himself. He doesn't just look at a failure as not only my failure, but his as well. Yeah. And that's a lot of responsibility on me. Yeah. But if I come to him with something, you know, kind of going back to my boy Jocko, you know, what's some of the most important things in leadership, not just to educate the people underneath you, but to educate the people above you. Yep. And I have, them the front. I have... I had to set myself up structure wise here, where I didn't have all these layers to go through, yeah. and I have that direct access with the senior pastor as well as our senior associate pastor, and that's pretty much the tiered structure. Like those are the two guys I have to deal with, yeah. and then I'm really close with our CFO uh-huh. because he's just been a huge help for me managing kind of through, you know, all the kind of the social structure at the church. Yeah. Like he's been a he's been a big help to me. Um, and he's a CFO, there's accountants, you know, they're scary. Yeah, you have to be think, friends, with, the be friends with them. They, you gotta be friends with them. They'll be the reason you don't exist if you're not friends with them. I'm sitting there, like, with a budget for the first
0: time. I'm like, <laughs> what am I gonna do? Staring at a spreadsheet. I'm just like looking at
1: him, and he's like, yeah, standby. He's got like nine screens up, and he just yeah. brings my whole budget up. God bless you. God yeah. bless you, bro. You know who you are if you're watching this. Yeah, you're right. probably not.
0: Right, yeah, but, but, but with that, like, I mean, with that kind of what you were saying, um, I think one of the things that gave us the buy in that we have now and the appreciation and the disarm to the congregation was the fact that, and this is a hack, and and, and I know different congregations have different stances and it may be more or less complicated to get your pastoral staff to back you in this way, because some they may not want to touch it, but if you can get them to back you from the pulpit, um, it will cause the congregation to buy in much, much more quickly, because before, Because later on, as I've been here, he's gone up and he said, hey, you see these guys out there? They've got weapons. Um, They're standing out there. They are your security. They're here so that you can be safe while you're in here. Um, And he said, he's like, I take responsibility for keeping my my flock safe. And he told him exactly why we were there. And after that Sunday... People are coming up to me on a regular, regular, regular basis. I One of the times I just thought about just running my GoPro in between services and making a, a, a highlight reel of people that are like, thanks for doing what you're doing. We really appreciate
1: you being here. And it was not that way when I started, man. <laughs> I it was imagine. not. And it's really like, at least in, in your position, you, you're coming in on the backs of some giants, some guys that I hired, my, these you two guys with the done. same name. One of them was in charge of my school and the other one was in charge of my volunteers and and services and the service security and man at the school at least in our area Mm -hmm. I used to have a homeless problem yeah and then I hired the most motivated moto dude motivated security dude he got work done he just looked for problems and at least with my campus if you're bored working at my campus, you're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we're really busy. There's always something to find. There's always some to get into. Something crazy going on. There's and yeah. you know, it's it's cool now. Like we have homeless that come to our church. They're members of our church. Yeah, and they come up and they talk to us. I mean, you got some like you are, you're like friends with someone. Yeah. You're giving <laughs> them hugs yeah, and yeah, stuff. Right. Like you guys yeah, are on a first man. name basis. Yeah, and it's cool. Like I remember talking to this girl, and she was like, oh, "You guys are just the best security ever." I'm like what do you mean? It's just like, you're known in the area amongst the homeless community for like, you can't slip up. Yeah. And that sounds horrible, but literally nice. everything I'm doing is I'm trying, I want the bad guy or the person who wishes to do harm to whether it be our church or, you know, on our piece of property or just a church in general, mm-hmm. I want them to look at us and go, no, yeah. I don't want, I'm not going to get away with whatever I want to get away with here. Right. And that goes all the way from, you know, you know, the random drunk guy to the legit terrorist threat. Yeah. You or know? to the husband who's in counseling, that's getting up,
0: up in arms because pastor such and such is telling him he can't like, you know, do something to his wife. That's like, you know, like type, you know, be physical or whatever it is. Yeah. You know I mean, mm-hmm. uh, he knows that there's a man outside that's ready to bring accountability and ensure order at that facility that he's going to have to face. Yeah. If he goes on the head and scribbles outside the lines and just by, just organic to having men like that on your campus it
1: just brings a higher sense of order it does it does um absolutely so going you know moving forward and and this is where those things that he just spoke of really started to hit home was i'll I'll, I'll talk about two primary security you know protocols that we put into place that that got a lot where we really got a lot of, of flack We got a lot of of backlash from, not just from the congregation, but as well from the staff who Mm -hmm. just didn't agree with it and thought it was ridiculous. And two of those things were uniformed armed presence and bag checks. Bag checks, bag checks. (laughs) Now, I kept saying to them like, and this is, with both of these things, you just have to stick to your guns. Because eventually you will train the flock. You will train, and them. they will expect it. Yeah. And then they'll feel and then they'll comfortable get mad at with you. It. Yeah. And then when you don't do it, then they're,
0: they're like mad at you. Like, what's going on? Nobody's
1: here. No, we're, we don't feel safe anymore. <laughs> why are you in normal people <laughs> clothes? Yeah, That's exactly the one I get all the yeah. time when I'm like, when I'm when not I'm not in my kit or in yeah. my gear. Guys, are like, why do you have? Where's your stuff? Where's your stuff? Are you not working tonight? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is there's who's working? Like, I, and <laughs> In your I'm just like, oh my gosh, uh-huh. I can't even just go to church anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. what's going on? Um, which, uh, I just again, pro tip: No matter what, guys, setting up guys and girls, setting up your teams, make it mandatory that once a week they have to attend a service. Yeah, that is a must, and you have to attend a service. Yeah, you need to continue being fed, and I both byron and myself always make it a point to sit in with our better halves uh, for that one service mm-hmm. you know whatever it may be sometimes it's midweek for me sometimes it's you know that that third service we like to sit in but yeah and you can change it up but sit in you have to well, and for the sake of your volunteer staff it'll
0: i mean it'll your attrition rate will go up yeah. If they're not able to sit in, because the reason they're there is church in the first place, and if that reason starts to shift around and be taken away, then your attrition rate starts going up. So you've got to make sure they're still getting what it is that anchors them to that
1: relationship. Yeah,
0: from a social dynamic perspective.
1: And luckily for us, we have like literally fifteen spots inside to fill. So yeah, <laughs> it's, we never have a problem filling yeah. or, or finding a place for guys to sit. Um, but it, it was those two things, and and with both of them like the uniform presence was much easier because it like first off it took us some time to get our licenses and get everybody licensed up build an SOP talk to our insurance companies you know talk to our HR and and, because we knew we wanted to do it we wanted to go to a uniformed armed presence so it was already in the pipeline it's not like this thing happened and then the next day we did this yeah but I remember I was in New York with the boss and when the Paris attacks happened and that right there was like, okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this now. Yeah, this we're totally is, gonna do this. I'm like, this we're actually working. already set up for it, yeah. you know. And where the where the backlash was coming was from other pastors. Yeah. And my past the the senior pastor was always on board with it, uh-huh. but you've got you don't just work with him. You work with this all these other staff right. members too, and. So we just had to get things in place and luckily we had those things in place. But that was probably a much easier transition yeah. for us. And 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 that so when it happened, again, that Sunday morning, the, the, the senior executive pastor went up and he addressed it. Not just for like thirty seconds, like he took a few minutes and addressed. The issue, the issue, and addressed what would this is what's going to happen. This is what it's going to look like, and yeah. this is why, why we're doing, we're doing it. it. That's the big and one. that just you're you're just it's already gold. set up for success. So yeah. even even other staff members who might not agree with the you know the procedures you're putting in place, they're behind it. Yeah. They're going well. I guess okay, what we're doing. This is what we're doing. This now is what we're doing yeah. It's the way it is. Absolutely. And that made life so much easier. A hundred times easier.
0: And then if you're out there by yourself and you still have to win over everyone, Mm -hmm. there's a lot in the Bible about um, watchmen, you know, and about security and so much that God did in the the earth by using strong men with weapons. So, um, I mean, David's a man after God's own heart. He's also, you know, it's said that Saul killed his thousand. David killed his tens of thousands, you know, so... Um, The whole notion that, you know, because you're a place of worship that you have to be uh, passive and all these other things isn't necessarily, uh, it's not necessarily biblical. There's a lot that just validates the heck out of having security, actually. Uh, Just Google Watchmen in the Bible and it talks about men being on the walls, men watching for danger coming, um, and the responsibilities that come with being a watchman Um, or an armor bearer. There's... Do your research. You'll find it.
1: Yeah. So the other one was bag checks. Mm -hmm. And no one likes bag checks. We (laughs) at first, it was one of those things where we started them. It went over as the term goes like a fart in church. (laughs) People were not happy with it. Now, having said that it, it came, you know, kind of the order came down from those two pastors. Yeah. But there was another, exact or admin pastor that really kind of started shedding his wisdom he's like let me help you with this and what we did was those bag searches are not done by security yeah and that was kind of the way he took it and I was like oh yeah cool i don't have to lose five guys to searching bags right and you know Again kind of going back to homeland security tapping into that resource I think the video is open source you can probably find it on YouTube but it's like how to search bags and they made it for all the stadiums uh-huh. you know for the NFL MLB for stadiums and whatnot and how to train events, those, yeah. those event staff you know just yeah. basic whatevers yeah. to, to search bags and what to look for. So, we put all our volunteers through that same training, all our greeters, and mm-hmm. we turned it into a greeter thing. And that's really where his wisdom shined through. You know, yeah. I'm thinking like, no, men are going to do it. It's going to be gonna a security it. protocol. I was like, man, okay, again, I'm wrong. You're right. Yeah. You know more about this. He's been a pastor here for over 20 years. So, he kind of knows, knows what he's doing. He's a really wise yeah. guy. And, and you know, we go to him all the time, you yep. know, about, about issues that we have and just seek his wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we handle this, sir? And... He was the one that really set some of those protocols and procedures in place. And, and it, it definitely gave the bag searches a different face. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, people were still like, why are we doing this? And it, it did take some time, but we just stuck with it. We stuck with it. We stuck with it. And then San Bernardino happened. Yeah. When San Bernardino happened, that hit us really hard here locally in, in Southern California. Yeah. Um, so everybody knew somebody. Our location, I mean, our school went on lockdown when that happened. It really, it, it really rocked our church. And suddenly, the whole like, "Oh, look at these rent-a-cops," kind of attitude, yeah, you know, towards us completely switched to, "God bless you, thank you for being here, thank you for what you do," yeah, you know, because they knew like we're out here putting our lives in danger, we're out here dealing with the people that you don't want here, yeah, you know, and on top of it, we are. a a very well-known church worldwide and we are a massive terrorist threat and and and, and I understand that we know that yeah so and we do we do everything we can to to combat that and to to prepare ourselves for that yeah so you know that's that's and and then the bag check thing it's still it's still hard especially at certain campuses like maybe the one that we're at right now (laughs) it's still things that we're always perfecting and working on yeah but it is a procedure that's very important that's in place and you know, I had, a, I had a girl one time come up to me and she was a, uh, a law enforcement officer. She's like, oh, haha, uh, you guys search bags, but um, mm-hmm. I get through, I get my gun through all the time, nanner nanner. And I was like, well, why don't you just tell me, why don't you just identify yourself as a law enforcement officer? Because mm-hmm. what if they do find your gun? Yeah. Guess nanner, what's going to happen? This is what's going to happen. Then it can get weird. One or two gentlemen are going to walk up to you and ask you to go into this other room. And then they're going to start having a conversation with you, and you're going to be very embarrassed up until you pull your badge out. Right when you could have just identified yourself, which is another thing that we we went into identifying the people who carry on our campus, which is you know another protocol, sort of another protocol we have in place. So now the ushers, greeters, sort of have an idea. There's little things that you can wear, and it's not just one thing; it's multiple things that you can wear where we know, like, oh, that person is is one of our is one of ours. Of and in our area, we have a lot of. I think one time we counted like it was like outside of security there was like 60 people with firearms in the church at, at one time and i was like oh geez, that's scary. yeah that's a lot but uh <laughs> but it, it, it's it that's our area that's kind of the the way this area is this is demographic yeah, yeah. so at that campus those were uh that's sort of the story and, and that kind of brings me up to 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 bringing you in and the reason i bought i brought byron in so when i started started hiring my staff what i found was i found volunteers that wanted to work at this church that were interested in becoming pastors one of the guys was this young guy MMA fighter former army guy army sniper wow and then he was also a, a law enforcement officer and he's awesome. like i want to be a pastor i'm like cool cool yeah well, come hang out why don't you come be security and then you can so What he really did was, while he was going through all his pastoral studies at the church, his responsibility was on the security Security. side. So I put him in charge of the volunteers. And then I hired um, another retired LE guy, and they brought him on as a pastor, Mm. but they put him under me, and they put him on a different campus as kind of the primary counseling pastor. Mm. And at our church, we have, I think it's just at the main campus, there's five guys that are kind of just in charge of counseling, and two of those are, are retired LE. So that's great. Yeah. No, now it it's nice. they're not always a hundred percent on. Like we, I had to win them over because they saw what we were doing, and they didn't necessarily agree or they thought it was kind of ridiculous. Right. Until they started seeing it work. Yeah. Once they started seeing it working and the fruits of it, and it was an asset. Like, it
0: was an asset for them as look well. Look at them now.
1: They're and on top of it, I never shunned them away. I never. Right
0: got offended or got or offended or mad or you
1: had an ego with them <clears throat> yeah because i knew i can learn from them yeah because they've been counseling crazy people in a church for Forever. 20 years yeah, yeah, exactly. after a 20 year law enforcement career so yeah. it's like hey man teach me like how do you handle this homeless guy that has scabies like and i didn't I even know what learned, that looks like and he's like don't touch him. that guy yeah. you know what i mean
0: and <laughs> i still learn from him all the time we had an incident the other day where i was like some the the guy was like telling us his story and everything, and the pastor was staring at him. And he like goes back in his office, and I'm like, what? What was that? Like, we, like I was thinking you he just was going to back <laughs> me up. Like, you're, gonna, you're supposed to pastor the thing and the deal, do the thing right now. Oh. And he's like, he's like, if I had said hello, he would have started all over again. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, because we were all just waiting for him to get his cathartic like spewing done, so he could stomp off like he was in
1: charge. Of yeah, me. yeah. So, so like, yeah, okay. you know, that's what we look like now. You know, and then I, I brought Byron in, which was a big financial asset or, or financial commitment, I should say, because, you know, I know what you deserve and, you know, we pay you what you deserve. And uh, but I also got rid of a couple other small... Smaller people that I that had kind of worked their way in, like they worked themselves into a job, but those things didn't work out. I'm like, okay, if I get rid of this person, this person. And I've then got I no idea what you're talking about. Everybody now. into <laughs> – and, and then that was the other thing was my – we started – we have a uniformed armed presence 24-7 on our campus. And I had to be very smart about how I financed that. That those positions are all part-time positions which yeah. saves me in the state of California a lot of yeah. money and so I got rid of some full-time positions and that one full-time position gave me what was it uh, 14 hours of coverage a day is the way I worked it out mm-hmm. uh, 2 seven hour shifts and then yeah. I already had built into the budget for a night shift I just switched the night shift from just a guard to a uniformed guard and then I started hiring uh, those guards and, and kind of picking those guys out, hmm. but, um, which I want you to go into a little bit later how you manage those guys because yeah. that's kind of part of your responsibilities now. But I brought Byron in and what I really wanted from Byron was I needed a good solid number two that I needed a response. I needed a hammer. I needed somebody who I could trust to go get in a fight with, you know? I kind of had the guys that could handle a lot of other smaller problems, but should kind of the worst arrive, whether it be a lethal threat or a physical threat or whatever it was, I wanted a number two with me to be able to react with me, like basically a partner and also somebody who understood what I was trying to do on the exposed side of things. And we have a very professional look to us. It's there's kind of a uniform. We have a uniform code that we keep. Um, You know, it's very much like an LE, but not like an LE. I guess yeah, is one right. kind of way to put it. But mm-hmm. you know, black pants, black shirt, uh, a duty rig belt, at least a level two holster. Yeah. Uh, handcuffs, some form of medical. We have kind of mass cash medical around the campus, cash but days. but you know something on on your person's uh, medical training. Was, that's a whole other side we can get into later. But uh, um, I needed somebody who who had that physical presence was behind me and and could back me up on that and cuz I didn't really have those guys there before yeah and I needed that person who could who could be that response and then also somebody who would come and train with me mm-hmm. like it's pretty hard to find guys to you know Thank you, to Beth. put back into themselves and I'm a huge uh, I can be a huge asset for the right person and I knew that and I think you've seen that working with me it's like you've become a different you're on another level of shooting than you were when i met you Mm -hmm. Like a whole nother stratosphere. You're not even, you're playing a whole different game than most, than you maybe even knew existed. And I think that happened because of us working together in that relationship. That's definitely true. So, you know, I I was like, here's somebody that I can train, that I have history with, and I trust. That was important to me too. I wanted somebody outside of the church that I had experience with. And you and I had been through together. (laughs) So i (laughs) knew i could trust you you had saved my job multiple times i had saved your job multiple times i knew you would look after me no matter what yeah and that's what i wanted i wanted kind of that 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 partner there so i brought byron in and you know kind of put him in charge of the volunteer staff and growing that team first initially and then your other duties your duties basically were primarily our main campus it's like You worry about this because on my side of the job, I have all these other campuses to worry about manage. I have a budget to manage as well as our senior pastor, he travels a lot and I travel with him. I act kind of as an executive assistant to him. I handle all of his travel, booking his travel, scheduling his travel, and then traveling with him. Whenever it's being announced he's going somewhere, I have to go. If he's going on vacation, something like that, He's not that recognizable of a figure where people yeah. are going to like, you know, storm him or he's not Brad yeah. Pitt or something like that. Yeah. But so when he goes on vacation with his family or something, you know, we we, we cross our T's and dot our I's, nothing's booked in his name, etc., etc. et cetera. But yeah. um, for the most part, I don't go on like a family vacation with right. him, you know, that doesn't happen. So I'm pulled so many different places. I needed somebody to just focus on our main campus. And then that's when I brought you in. Yeah. And you know, I guess kind of go into what it was like when you first started off and how you built not just the volunteer team, but the uniform uh, the uniform side as well. Because <laughs> when you came in, we just had one guy working an eight hour shift. Yeah. And now we have, we have, what do we cover? 116 hours a week we cover. Mm-hmm. That's just during the day. That's yeah. not including our night guy, which we sub out to a different company. Yeah. Cool. Um, just due to the price and staffing, but we wanted to hire our own guys that that were Christians, that were understand f- members culture. of the church, understood our culture, yeah. and that's a whole nother. You know why yeah. we did that because we started having guys acting inappropriate uh, yeah. on the on the uniform guard side, but mm-hmm. um, just kind of go into that. And that'll I mean. happen too. Yeah, like I think really, you know, with
0: you know day one, you get there. What do you do? You know, like, how do you build your program? Um, and for me, I had had, I, I came in after you'd already laid a fantastic, fantastic foundation, you know, because before this, I had been working with another faith based ministry, traveling all over the world. I get dropped into, into a church. I have sometimes a few hours, sometimes a day or two to get that church to help me set up security protocols and then. My client would come in and we would get it done and then we would get off the X. Um, here, I came here, there was like great volunteer staff, like volunteers were like, and like, I can't, I, I, I'm I not going to take up time, you guys, like, but we have great volunteers here. So I had these assets and it was absolutely, it was very nice, you know. But I mean, for the guys listening, you know, for people listening, when your pastor looks at you and says, hey, I want you to set up, a church security detail. I think the first thing that a lot of guys forget to notice is, um, you've got a lot of assets right in front of you that Mm -hmm. you can use. And, um, for me, I cannot, it all starts in the sanctuary. When I get to a church, like during, um, kind of like the most sacred time in the whole deal, how am I going to protect? and, and, and the longest time that like probably your principal will be exposed on that platform. It really kind of goes into just venue security, you know, like what structure do I want to use? What volunteers do I want to put where? Um, And uh, really, I kind of, at least the way I've done it is not saying it's the right way, but that's usually where I start thinking about like who I want where in the placement. And then it kind of depends on how many people I have, you know, in terms of like um, importance, I would say the positions that are next to the platform, like like an onion kind of the positions that are closest to the platform um building out outward is kind of how i think of the importance of positions inside the sanctuary with the exception of your primary avenues of access to the pulpit so you know a guy who's at the front of your center aisle and a guy that's at the back of your center aisle both of those guys are pretty important but if i had to have just one i'd have one closer to the pulpit you know um, considerations like that and you can protect a pulpit, I believe, with just a handful of good volunteers and good dudes that are at your church. And they don't have to be Jedi ninjas. Um, I think they just really need to know what to look for and really be willing to step up and and, and address something that could turn into a threat or that is a threat or that is a disturbance. Um, so for me, you know, my first consideration is the sanctuary. And how I'm going to protect the pulpit. Some key positions. um, The two guys, like you were saying, stage left and right. Those guys are huge. um, And I have them actually facing the congregation. uh, And that's just so that they can see anything approaching the pulpit. And they can relay that information to the appropriate positions. Like I'll have a guy, one or two guys down the center aisle, and I'll have a guy at the mouth of every aisle closest to the pulpit if I have the manpower in order to jam those aisles, you know. Um, And ideally, if something's happening and we, you know, and my position one or two gives us a heads up, I'll have the ushers actually address it long before I'll have security address it just to make sure that we're getting, you know, the most... Um, finesse on it, we as, as as that we can, you know. Um, and if you're at a big enough church with enough administrative pastors, sometimes you can have an administrative pastor address it. You know, a lot of times people just want to be heard. So, really, with regards to the structure inside of a, a platform, inside of a church, the first thing I keep in mind is the the platform. The second things I pay attention to are the avenues of approach to the platform, and then the third things that I try to make sure I have bodies on are the entrances and exits, um, and make sure that we have all that access control, not access control, but that we have eyes on any of the entrances and exits to that building, to that sanctuary, essentially. Um, those are kind of the primary considerations. Um, you know, you want your stronger, more able-bodied guys closer to the platform. Um, Because you legitimately might have to physically remove someone from the sanctuary, and it is not a very comfortable thing to remove someone from a sanctuary. Okay,
1: there's a technique to it for sure. It's it's uh it's
0: not like bouncing someone out of a club.
1: You gotta practice it. (laughs) And
0: but it's like yeah,
1: clear the aisle. I mean, well, just to give you guys who are listening and some of you watching, what what we do if there's somebody, whether it's a medical emergency or a disturbance in the in the service what we do is we actually clear the aisle um, and obviously like most tactical decision common sense dictates your you know situation dictates tactics yeah so the types y- of aisles you, we you, have you look at it practice. and go okay what how, did, how, how are we going to do this how are we going to get to this person we find it best to just clear the aisle um, and that comes from a lot of hard lessons learned and the types of aisles we have in hashtag our church hashtag London yeah um, so just, I pulled a lot of people from service, both, you know, disturbances as well as medical clearly on and practice doing it with your team, get together with your team and practice these things. Uh, another thing you, that you touched on a little bit was, uh, a lot, a lot of our guys, a lot of our positions have dual roles. So, yeah. for example, at the beginning of the service, they might be in one spot, and then during the service, they'll be in another. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think it's our sixth position. He is all, that is also a position that, that mans and manages bag checks as well. So, he is that response person that's there should the bag checkers come across something fishy. Yeah. Um, and then we have protocols, you know, after that. So, you can do a dual role there, you know. Our front stage guys are one, two, and three spots – They are, that's our center aisle guy and our stage left, stage right guy. Mm -hmm. They are there as the doors open. Uh, They're there watching people walk in, uh, just kind of being a set of eyes and kind of, uh, in a way, kind of a show of force. Like, oh, there's security at the front of the stage and they're watching you walk in and they're watching where you might be trying to sit. You're looking for people who might argue with an usher or something like that, that that weird guy that's like, I want to sit up here, and then starts getting in an argument. Why so they're looking for there? those people yeah. while also being kind of a show of force. Mm-hmm. Those spots, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Some of the other spots, they can have other jobs. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we have multiple sniper positions. Uh, sometimes that guy comes down off the roof and then goes and sits in one of our spots. Mm-hmm. So he can kind of pull multiple roles. And, and our roof
0: guys are very overt. You know, it's very much like there's a guy on the roof, you know, at times, you know, there are certain times when we want anyone who's surveying to see that, you know, we have guys up there. Yeah.
1: My whole, uh, the original thought of doing that was, you know, the guys that I had up there were not people that I trusted to be up there to be snipers, but the bad guys don't know that. They have to look at that situation and think, oh, that person can engage me out to, you know, 1,000 meters, yeah. or 1, meters or 1,500 meters or whatever they have. I mean, for us, our main parking lot, the longest point is 480 yards. Very easily uh, engaged from a high position like that. Yeah. Now, in the beginning, it wasn't somebody who even had a gun. He was just up there as an observer because there's some things it's easier having somebody up there than a bunch of cameras yeah and I mean, man that's position's so important yeah because so we can important. manage the whole parking lot all the way out to the back yeah
0: uh we have some mastery over that terrain because we've got eyes up there in the sky and he sees everything that sees too. everything and lets us know what's coming at all times mm-hmm. um so that's another key position um and in terms of hard targeting you make your church a harder target just by putting a guy yep. in an elevated position. Um, and there's something to be said for the psychological component of knowing that there's someone up there watching over you and watching everything that happens in the church, both for the good guys and for the bad guys. Yep. You know, I think another huge tactic that we implement is you know I've heard a lot of churches, security teams be um, kind of designed around law enforcement only or designed around... You know a certain pedigree pedigree of volunteer with us we accept you know as long as they have the right heart and as long as they have you know they're vetted um, my thinking of the security uh, organism on 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 campus is that we're an information network you know I need to know of everything I'm taking in as much sensory information from my environment as possible through my security staff We're all on our Zillow and on our radios. And I'll, you know, I have women on my team. I have people in the bookstore, civilian looking, nice, sweet people that you would never in a million years think. And there's some of our most like black force uh, super trooper ninjas on the security team that actually do stuff because no one ever thinks they're security. And now they're getting the pertinent information that we need to do our jobs to the people who can do the other part of the job. And that's the main thing. I just need to know what's going on on my campus. I need the right people to know what's going on on my campus the fastest. And if it's law enforcement, we need to get that information to them the fastest. So the more eyes and ears we have, the more layers we have, um, and all the different demographics we can incorporate makes that information network and that information organism more effective.
1: Yeah. When I started off, um, it was a cop-only club. It was like you either cop or you're not. Nice. And if you're not, <laughs> you didn't get to hang here. While I have a massive amount of respect for my LEs and I love my LEOs, that is just not the case, guys. Um, it's just not. I You need everybody. And having with that being said as well, and I've seen this at a lot of other churches, there's kind of like this club where it's like they kind of try to keep everything all – Sort of to themselves, and if there's bolos, they don't talk to other people about it and everything else. One of the first things I did when I started working there was, and this kind of came from some Secret Service protocols, I tried to get everybody on my team. I tried to, I tried, yeah. I opened up lines of communication <coughs> to my parking guys, yep. of which we have at least what 20 guys out there in a awesome. parking lot.
0: First line of information defense.
1: They yeah. look at vehicles. They then, See everyone coming into the church? Yeah, my, my greeters and then my ushers as well. And with the parking guys, I'll give you a little example. The churches in our area, we talk. We talk a lot. Anytime we have a problem, it gets shared. Mm-hmm. And another local church hit me up with basically a guy who had stormed the platform and yelled at his pastor and like threw water on him and everything else. Jeez. He gives me the whole description of the guy, including what? A vehicle description. I give that vehicle description to my parking guys, no joke, 20 minutes after I gave them the description, they hit me up on the radio, oh hey, that blue BMW you were looking for, just pulled in the parking lot. Now I'm addressing an issue in the parking Before lot. They even get not in front in the foyer, <laughs> not inside the building where security for some reason loves to hang out. Um, <laughs> I, I'm handling it in the parking lot and my cameras are on him. and. My guy up top is tracking him. He saw the car as well once it came through the comms. So we opened up that line of communication with them and just kind of brought them in as part of the team. Yeah, and they loved it. They're just like, "Yeah, See? man, you tell us what to look for, we'll find it." And they do. And they do. And they do. They do. Uh, kind of going back to your other point, one of our top um, security assets is a twenty-something-year-old, attractive female who kind of looks like a little hipster and I'm pretty sure she's the manager of a home depot why like most most of you out there would probably say no I don't want to work with her why would I have her on my team that girl's a ninja she's a she gets more done no one ever she gets more done than a lot of our assets and she happens to be one of the best CP girls ever she's totally trained herself up in it she is she has actively responded to emergency situations in the CP Completely like a professional, not doing this. E- uh, 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 uh. I've had like LE dudes like freak out in the CP trying to communicate and, and keep everything together while while talking to local mm-hmm. law enforcement assets and she is an absolute ninja.
0: CP, command post. We Sorry. have a command post.
1: Yeah. Um, so, it you you can really open it up to other people and you, you don't know what you're missing. You yeah. might find some, I mean, one of our top security leads is a jeweler. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a gangster. But he's, yeah. He's awesome. Yeah.
0: It's just like straight up social dynamics from the sales game, yep. dedicated, puts more man hours in. And I mean, he's awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So. I mean, it's one of those,
1: like if he wasn't, when he's not there, it's like, uh oh.
0: Yeah. And he's not here
1: today. Oh man, we got to work harder.
0: And the, is, and the glass is generally like half empty when you're dealing with someone who doesn't have a tactical background, you know? Yep. They're willing to learn. They're willing to take a look at... There's no at, ego. There's no ego. They're like, how do you want me to do it? How? What are we doing here? And I'm like, sweet. This is not about being tough or anything like that. This is information network... I need you to push me the right information so we can make the right calls and respond in the most appropriate manner to the threat or to the medical emergency or to the whatever, the cookie burger, whatever's going on. We got to get there. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so those are some considerations. Um, The sanctuary, the path of travel. Well, the other consideration, he actually just touched on it, is the parking lot. You know, like, you think about the path of travel when a person enters your campus what do you want them to see first do you want them to know you know you want them to realize that you guys are a hard target that you're not a soft target what do you where do you want to place that security guy that's gonna be the first put yourself in the mind of someone who's coming to your church to do harm Um, and think about the impression You want them to have as they enter your facility or as they enter your campus. Um, You know, there's a certain spot where we park our security golf cart, our security cart, or right there on the hill. So when you turn into our parking lot, you see Harvest Security right there on the golf cart. There's a guy standing right there. There's and you instantly know there's accountability here. So you know your first preliminary guys that are either at your front doors or your parking lot. What are those guys doing? Those guys are out there essentially kind of greeting and they're interviewing people as they walk up. And there's an art to this, like this is straight, this is security ninjitsu, you know what I'm saying? These guys need to come across as definitely, uh, the deterrence value should be there, but they need to be the most uh, nice, inviting, come on in, but how you doing, look you in your eyes, are you still high from last night? Are you just upset because you and your husband or wife got in an argument or are you coming in here because, you know, like, hey, how are you doing? They're interviewing everyone. You know, they're, they're you know essentially making contact with everyone in the nicest way possible, but also to see if they can trigger someone, also to see if someone needs prayer, also to see if yeah. someone needs to talk to a pastor uh, to get a problem dealt with before they stand up in the middle. Of the message and try to get that problem dealt with. And I
1: will say that's that is a job definitely where, at least in my experience, LEs have really been successful at. They pick up. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I pick up off of them. I mean, we have recently hired uh, two more directors at our campus uh, to manage volunteers only. So Byron's having a lot more of a an overall job, you know, here now. But we hired two more assistant directors and. They, one of them is a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps, active duty right now. He's deployed. He's getting it in. We're like, really, we really miss him right now, but he's mm-hmm. getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also a retired lieutenant from a police department, and the other one is a retired fire chief of a large city fire department. I'm learning so
0: much from so of these guys.
1: These guys just the the way they handle the volunteers. It's it's it's, un- awesome. it's unbelievable. Yeah. But these <laughs> le's like they they're the ones that. You know, like man, you put deb- him in front deb- of somebody, dog, and it's you know, like, like good luck. He just yeah. he can look and be like that person's on this. It's like well, yeah. how do you know he's on this? I like I can tell because the eyes are doing this. Yeah. And the, it's the a slow Tuesday for this guy. It's like you know? You know? it's like, like, this not. This is what I do all day, thing. every day. Yeah, it's so like I can just tell. Yeah. So they have that, you know, from just years of being a street cop, mm-hmm. and and there's hard dudes, and they they can pick up on it, and they can read through it, and they've got that those verbal skills to, you know, they can pick out a problem real quick and that's that's been a huge i I still learn from it all the time yeah uh, with them and then kind of how to deal with them as well Mm -hmm. you know like the homeless man like my way of dealing with is like (laughs) i'm a little more of a hammer i'm not the nice guy on my campus i'm just gonna just let me just throw that out there i'm definitely not the nicest person there i'm the nice guy (laughs) he's the nicest person there absolutely i'm i'm a little i'm a little more of like luke i need to get this guy out of here and then like yeah, you come out. I come out yeah. and... it's Yeah. I <laughs> mean, yeah, I'm like Tai Chi. I'm just and, more direct.
0: Yeah. But,
1: yeah.
0: you know, so that's the kind of the game is you use everything you have and everyone you have to their strengths, you know. Um,
1: and don't close it down. Don't close your team down. Communicate with everybody. Yeah. You communicate with all the volunteer teams. Oh, children's ministry. <sighs> Become friends with them. Yeah. You know, they will know kind of issues that maybe a mom's or, maybe well recently it was a dad that was divorced and the mom like lost it and it's like oh you have a restraining order on her she yeah, goes know. to this church that's good to know yeah you know and then we end up getting a pastor and working it out where mm-hmm. we know which services they're coming to and yeah. we know if that girl's trying to start problems which mm-hmm. she was that time and the cops mm-hmm. got involved etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. so uh just have that communication open it up don't be the you know sf secret squirrel team yeah don't be like that Definitely open up lines of communication and be welcoming, you know, like just like a fusion center has for, for terrorism stuff. They want to hear from everybody, from lifeguards to, you know, SWAT teams. They want to hear from everybody.
0: And yeah, it says that you're fighting a social battle. You're fighting a political battle if you're in a church period. Um, So your security structure with regards to your sanctuary, with regards to your access points to the building and with regards to your parking lot, those are considerations. The tr- the path of travel that people will take in order to get on your campus, those are more considerations. You can have the same people cover both of these aspects of your security structure because before service, the flow of traffic's gonna be kind of in a different area than it's gonna be in during service, You have different considerations while the service is going. So you could have the same six guys that are, you know, four of them are actually outside of the sanctuary, greeting, shaking hands, looking people in the eyes, um, in specific spots. When the service actually starts, you can pull them inside. You can put them in their seats, put them in their spots, um, covering the platform and the avenues of approach to the platform. Um, another consideration is going to be your... Travel your paths of travel that your VIPs are going to take when your pastor comes in. What entrance does he use to the parking lot? Where does he leave his vehicle and his path to his green room from his green room to the platform? Those are also places where you're going to want to uh, basically have access control, or you're going to have to have security protocols to make sure that those areas are safeguarded. Anyone who's been in church long enough knows that getting a hold of the pastor on Sunday. Is something that a lot of people try to do, both sweet, loving, awesome people, and also 5149s. Uh, so, <laughs> and, and a half. And a half. And three quarters and 5150s, man. Yeah. So, um, you know, that whole aspect, that's a whole other aspect. And if you do these things right, you can provide a safer campus, which will mean you won't have to focus as much. On the body coverage necessarily. So, you know, if we have a client out uh, in our uh, amphitheater area, you know, within that relative environment, we have four dudes who are all watching the client from uh, different areas so that as he moves (coughs) relatively freely, there's not a guy necessarily like chasing him, um, but he's in a secure area.
1: Well, we, at least here in, in this local area. We have two campuses that our, our senior pastor speaks at. The The main campus, the big campus, we run very much, I think the easiest way to explain it would be like a zone defense. Yeah. yeah. We run <laughs> it, very, exactly much, it like. very much like a zone defense. Uh, we're just communicating when he's popping out. And it kind of depends on the traffic, the threat mm-hmm. level. Yeah, Is there anything active on him? Are we worried about a couple people? Yeah. It's rare in oh, Riverside oh. we put somebody... On him, yeah. like as a body man, yeah. it's super rare. Um, here, at the smaller campus, everything's inside, everything's indoors. We're stacked here. We yeah. have like so many guys. We're we average about about in in our main campus. We're averaging about I, I'm gonna say what two to three security personnel per thousand yeah, probably. on a Sunday, and here at our smaller campus that turns like two to three per hundred so we have a lot of people here on a very small campus so i can i can also i've got some good body guys here yeah i have some good guys that like really they blend in really well i have one guy that's a he's kind of a martial arts expert he's not very tall he's not a big stature guy he Mm -hmm. just kind of is a good below the radar guy and he he blends really well with the pastor to let you know, guys, uh, Byron and myself, it's extremely rare we will ever, ever be next to our pastor. Why is that? Because we are two of the guys in full duty rigs, in full kit. Yep. And our placement is external because to us, that is is—that is where the, the threat's going to come from. That is the threats that we're there to to combat. We're the, we're the primary guys that are going to be able to combat those... Those threats, mm-hmm. and that's also where we're the most visually seen. Yeah, that's where that's we're where keeping everybody that is and seen. That accountability us. in it. We yeah. want to have as many and sensory
0: impressions on the congregation as possible we, at all
1: times. We time. don't play hang out with the pastors.
0: Absolutely not. That's the quickest way to get caught up. If you're yeah. hanging out with the pastor and you're inwardly oriented on the pastor, how are you going to see the threat coming from another area? So we're kind of an overwatch, or even and ninety percent of the issues that happen on the campus, I don't go and address because. I'm fully kitted out with an exposed weapon. I'm using my volunteers to go on ahead and, and, and deal with,
1: <clears throat> yeah,
0: you know. And when you're dealing with
1: situation, definitely dictates. Situation sometimes definitely it is dictates. us. Like, with, with we had some protesting issues recently. Yeah, we were the ones that went down and dealt with that. Yeah, um, man, I wanted that guy to hit you with the sign so bad. I was gonna hit you with the sign. <laughs> yeah. I was like, please you know, hit him with and, the sign. And yeah.
0: and because there's such a wide <laughs> array of issues happening in a church at all times. Something that you got to work on with volunteers that don't have a tactical background is not to uh, suck into one problem and look like a little kid soccer game. Mm-hmm. If there's one issue and everyone wants to get in there, you know, you got to make sure they understand. Hey, we need to maintain our security structure on the campus just in case this is just a diversion, um, and those types of things. And because you're dealing with anything from a homeless person to a medical emergency someone fainted um to uh just someone who needs prayer to someone who's high at, at church all these different issues well what you really need to do when you first roll up is like is this a security issue or is this like a pastoral issue mm-hmm. so I'll lead very often with my volunteers just because my presence kind of escalates the situation because I'm fully kitted with an exposed weapon and I kind of resemble an officer to a lot of people who can't tell the difference and you're a big um,
1: giant jacked and I'm a big black, black dude all <laughs> <laughs> right um, and so, I'm so no small fry either but, but right. still it's having having said that <laughs> look at the issue we had this past Sunday with a guy you know that stood up got hostile in a service was escorted out and then got real hostile externally you and i walked out and that dude's attitude went from "Ah," to oh Uh, uh, ah, yeah i'm leaving you guys i'm gonna no i'm (laughs) going is this the exit yeah Yeah. it's right over here exactly so and
0: he found his way off campus
1: that is something you know pastors directors who might be listening to this man uh and you're going to be hard-pressed to find somebody to say this to you, honestly, but I, I'm a strong, firm believer in the exposed duty 100%. setup. It, if they tell you otherwise, it's because they don't want to do it because you're being lazy. It's not fun. Sometimes it's 100 degrees, 120 degrees outside, and I'm sweating through kit. But it doesn't First matter. Time. It's my
0: job. It's what I'm there to do. First time I ever rolled exposed since the Marine Corps. I've been
1: CCW'd up
0: every single thing I've yeah, been doing. It's not sexy. So for me, it was like I got to do this. You, I do make it. You, <laughs> you had to come to our church to see that. But anyways yeah. No, and it's true. I I can't tell you the amount of times when. Um, you know we do our counseling in the front office and there's a guy there getting disgruntled with one of the pastors and I just, I just walk out of the CP. so I just walk out of the CP and I'm like, go check the radio, go check my mailbox, kind of look over a little bit and they just chill out, you know what I mean And that is what good security is supposed to do. That's what that hard response is supposed to do. Yep. Um, and you know we, <clears throat> we've seen a difference in our campuses. The campuses that you know didn't at first have as much of a hard response. we had an issue. We saw issues run from our, our campus where we had that hard targeting and that overt security presence. We had congregants that were upset come to the other campus and try to cause problems there. So we had to expand the program yeah. um, and it validated the, it validated the model even more.
1: Um, yeah, I, I don't, I just, and, and I have this argument with some of my peers from other churches from time to time, but, you know, I, I don't. Looking at them, I don't think I would necessarily say you're the guy for that either. You know, yeah. just their their stature and, and their physical yeah. abilities at the time. But you, you can find these good guys that are willing to do this. And you might be in a state where it's totally fine. Yeah. I, I will say this. Since we've started it, I know a lot of really big churches who copied exactly what we did. Exactly. And it's working for them. And I'll go to them mm-hmm. like in Texas. Mm-hmm. Look, I remember one of the huge this huge mega church in texas their pastor came i i took care of him for a day you know i i drive our pastor from campus to campus on sunday mornings he speaks at multiple campuses and i you know played driver to him and he saw what we did He's like huh next time i went to his church. Kid oh, he made man. us look like a joke. Yeah. He had like 50 dudes yeah. just all in uniform. Healthy like, dudes. <laughs> Where are these yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you? He's like, if it's I we 40,000 like, people. I'm like, oh. Cool. Cool. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <bro." laughs> We're over He's here. Like, I'm up, like, bro? do you need licenses? He's like, it's Texas, bro. I don't yeah, know, yeah, I'm, yeah. Just like,
0: I'm in America. <laughs> I get to. By the way, the, the camera's inverting the flag. It's not backwards. Yeah, the flag's not. Anyways. This is my left hand. Yeah. No, but that's that that overt security presence. I think makes a huge difference. Um, Massive. What, what and about it's,
1: it? Is definitely what I think sets us apart from a lot of yeah. teams is how overt we are. Yeah, and it's it goes noticed. And man, now you guys, I I I really think that the attitude of the people nowadays, especially with what we've been seeing in the news media yep. and such, has completely changed to that. Yep. I think now it's more welcomed. Like I've been getting, fa- I always get thank yous. People you so walk up to us. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing what you mm-hmm. do. It's kind of awesome being the
0: guy. Like, Yeah, and, and Kit. another thing is equip your security, especially your guys that are exposed and your uniform guys, equip them with, a, with an alibi, you know, so when someone's like, hey, is something wrong? Why are you guys here? Why is the church doing this? Mm-hmm. Come up with ahead of time what you guys are going to tell the congregation, you know, and I usually say something along the lines of, um, well, uh, everything's fine. But just based in light of things that have happened, and you know, and the like, the American culture is changing, and a lot of things that have been taking place inside our country, um, our pastoral staff has decided for us to be proactive and um, kind of set a presence here that will allow us to protect you no matter what takes place while you're in the sanctuary. And they generally start off all like looking at me, like, why do you have a gun? And after I explain that, they're like, "Yeah," huh. And I'm like, just the better to protect you with and make sure that you have a safe experience here. And they're like, and that
1: doesn't happen anymore. That happened like two that, years ago. Yeah, yeah,
0: long. yeah, exactly.
1: Nowadays, it's like, they love it. There could Well, now we've added uniform guys yeah. to our services, and they're just like, oh, I see there's a guy over by this gate, you know, next to the CM. It's like, yeah. yes, ma'am, we're, 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 you know, widening our, our presence. And they're just mm-hmm. like, oh, thank you so much. I've had people and come now up to, the, to us, pastors, and say, we go here because yeah. we trust the security at this church. Yeah. It's, been said to be numerous times and also go in a bit to the we do have a uniform set up for our volunteers
0: oh yeah so carry
1: CCW as well that's a whole nother layer
0: exactly and so our volunteers that are like really highly motivated and who want to kind of like really make more of that type of an impact they get their shirts embroidered with our security division logo and now our uniform presence has just increased exponentially on any given Sunday so that's another kind of way that we make ourselves appear bigger and harder um, and that, that's working out great um, something else I want to talk about too is the um, the bolo list you know we yeah. do keep a list of rolling bolos but a consideration uh, is that we don't send that list out to people um, we keep that kind of under our hat and we, sh- we send minimal information and headshot which actually goes right into Kind of what we're using for comms, I think that's good for people to hear because it's free <laughs> and it works very well. Um,
1: Mine is on right and
0: now. yeah, some people some people like it, some people don't. Um, but what basically what we use. So okay, a surf serv- beginning of a service. One of the things we do is we have our meeting at the beginning of the service before everyone goes to positions. We give them a brief on what's been taking place on campus throughout the week while they haven't been there, and we have, and we tell them, you know, what bolos, what kind of situations, if there's anything for them to be mindful of, anything for them to look for. Uh, We give them a full brief. In that brief, we also, everyone who's there, we get everyone on a group chat either via text or via the app that we use for communication, which is Zello. Z E L L O. Z E L L O. It's free.
1: It's secure. Yes. We have a it's password Password protected, it's encrypted. Yep. It's impossible to hack.
0: Yep. For now.
1: And everything is recorded. All of your conversations are recorded within the app. That's like some next level secret service ninja stuff.
0: Everything. So anyone like, you know, we had incidences where, you know, we needed someone to call the police and someone didn't hear the command. Like, hey, did you, I didn't hear you say call the, this, that, and the next thing. Well, you can just go into the little upper right corner and it'll show every transmission from every single person all the way back to the beginning of the formulation of your group. Uh, that's password protected and encrypted. And you can press play and it will just play you everything everyone said through the whole thing. Um the app is amazing. Like that's a whole nother that's like a whole nother kind of podcast.
1: Communications is a whole other podcast.
0: that's a huge for sure. but yeah. for those churches who are struggling on, yo, so what should we do for a comp plan? I try Zillow out first. We used um, to yeah. spend tens
1: of thousands
0: of dollars <laughs>
1: on radios. Even the little Beofangs, little twenty dollar radios. And then some of you dudes out there who can't months. keep an earpiece alive for more than like Two weeks can't do it. You can't do it now. I don't have to do that. I have. Oh, and I'm all I'm all Bluetooth. I have my phone. And then for me, you you used your Bose. I use the little Apple AirPods. And then we have Push to Talks by a company called Prime. It's Prime, spelled P R Y M E. And Prime has all sorts of uh, of of little push to talk setups and radio earpieces and whatnot yeah. specifically for the Zillow app. Yep. And it's. It, pennies to the dollar yeah for communications and it's a much higher level of communication no in, geographical
0: in impediments I'm literally in Israel and I'm like you're talking to me I'm talking to it him awesome. here he's like hey how you doing out there I'm like I'm doing good man how's Sunday going he's like oh yeah we're doing good well he was in Texas he's like yeah what's going down I'm like things are good man it's just another Super Bowl Sunday we're getting it in you know like and the just crystal clear because it works off of your cell phone uh, your cell phone, um, your cell phone data cell rather satellite than
1: kind of thing yeah. it's weird like it works everywhere mm-hmm. and you don't have to have great service for it to work and also more importantly uh, at least for me in a director position there have been times like I was in DC one time and you yeah. had an issue mm-hmm. and I think you just text me Zillow yeah. and I got on and I was able to hear everything happening and also start making some command decisions that needed yeah. to be made at the time like that and I was in Washington DC, like outside the White House. Yeah. And <laughs> I literally
0: awesome. and I run it from other details. Like I have another detail where it's always on. Like if someone needs to know something and they can just be like, Yo, Byron, are you on here? And I'm like, Yo, what's up, dude? And they're like, Hey man, you know, when we get to the to the treehouse, do we turn left or right? Like, is it a green or white sock that we put on the thing? And I'm like, Yo, put the green sock on the thing.
1: Do grasshoppers have <laughs> machine guns?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm like on Thursdays grasshoppers have machine guns. You know what I mean? Like and that <laughs> Sometimes, you know, when you're on it, anyways, and then on, on details, the other thing I like about it, real quick, it's a little shameless plug, everyone's got Bluetooth on, so it's ultra low profile, it's less spooky when you're working, uh, you know, just a normal EP detail, you walk around with your ear pods in, your client's not thinking like, oh, I got these stiff guys with me that are skylining me, no, you're just a dude with an ear pod in or a Bose headphones in, and now you guys have communication, green light, you don't have to pass it. through your you do all the phone stuff. You literally just push a button.
1: Yeah, I I have and, friends I <laughs> have friends that are spending it. like churches. They're spending like tens of thousands of dollars on communications and repeater systems and everything you know. else. And then they're having to like update them every couple of years because it's like, yeah. oh now we got to go digital. And go and
0: fix some <laughs> and Like what the antennas heck? are breaking.
1: Yeah, and I mean we do have a hard radio setup. Obviously that's why there's a radio right here. Yeah, um, but. We it's it's rare we use it and it's really only used for the other departments uh, for and... our the other people to get a hold of us because mm-hmm. a lot like our CM parking ushers they're not on Zillow we've encouraged them to do so but they are not uh, a lot of guys will complain to you about the technical aspects of Zillow and I sort of just look at them like if you can't figure this out how can I count on you to figure out a legit problem yeah a more sophisticated like this problem. is it's big boy rules kind of thing like yeah. figure it out. Here's your and list of gear that works. Having said that, I know guys who are like still learning how to text on their cell phones, but they figured out the but Zillow they, because yo, they cared.
0: He, he wired it into his hearing aids and got oh, that guy. Yeah, there's, guy. So we got guys. They want to figure it out. They can figure it out. But you know what? You know, there's a reason that half the children of Israel didn't make it into the promised land. That's all I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> God bless them. Anyways. So, so, uh, yeah. On comms, the Zillow is a good thing you can look at. Um, uh, some more considerations, you know, uh, when looking at your pastor's travel, uh, route of travel into the parking lot, green room, onto the sanctuary and in, on into the sanctuary and then his egress considerations, where do you want people to be when he comes off the platform? You're not done when service is over. Um, and, and, and how are you are going to safeguard him um, after that whole thing? Because the personnel on property, everything's going to shift which is going to require you probably to go back to your original security posture, the one you were maintaining before everyone was in the sanctuary. So really what it comes down to principally, in my opinion, is thinking the problem through from the beginning to the end. All right, Sunday morning starts. How are these people going to enter my facility? Enter my building? What security impressions do I want them to enter the building with? Um, during the service, what security impressions do I want them to see? What security uh, procedures do I want in place in case of X, Y, Z? Another consideration is medical is probably going to be one of the things that'll keep you the busiest. It'll keep you busier than actual uh, threat human threat situations, um, depending on your you know your congregation demographics, but. Uh, We've had everyone from old to young pass out during service and need an
1: ambulance and need us to go ahead and deal with that. So you have to plan for that. That kind of brings us on to something I want to talk about, but we're going to take a break right now because we have to go to work. Solid. But I want to talk when we get back about SOPs because that's one of the huge things you brought. I mean, I had SOPs. There was my SOPs, and then there was Byron's <laughs> SOPs. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Which were amazing. So we'll come back and talk about that. Boom. Is it over? Oh, yeah. yeah. Boom. It. We're back. We are. We're back. Sorry, guys. We had to go work. <sighs> That's a good night, though. Yeah, absolutely. My stupid earpiece is still in. <laughs> I look like a Igor with this thing on. These AirPods look so stupid. But they work real good and stuff. Everyone likes them. I. uh, Everybody but you. (laughs) (laughs) I just this big old. It is. It does look stupid, but it's functional. It works. Mm -hmm. Okay, SOPs. Uh When you came into my church, when I hired (laughs) you, um, I had some SOPs in place, very basic stuff. But you really, you really drill them down, and this was a lot more. Volunteer. I want to talk about the volunteer-specific ones, because obviously the ones for our hired, uh, paid staff guys, not everybody's going to come across that, you know. Yeah. Um. But a lot of the same prin- principles kind of, kind of uh, cross over. But um, talk about writing the new SOPs. What that was about. The communication with me with other pastors. Like, kind of what you learned from our mistakes. And then also how you implemented those with <clears throat> with the volunteers. A lo, half, I'd say maybe like a th- a third or half of your volunteers were new. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'll touch into this real quick, guys. You are going to come across volunteers that are there for the wrong reason. Oh, yeah. You're going you're going to come across volunteers that they want to be close to the pastor. They want to be, there, there is kind of a, like a churches have its own social want. structure, you know, and and sometimes guys are there for the wrong reason. Yeah. And, you know, that's really something that I encourage you to seek out the knowledge on yourself, or the knowledge yourself, or maybe find some pastors that are already successfully kind of running some volunteer programs yeah. and just really kind of look into it biblically, you know, why you serve, why people serve and and that'll help you kind of look for the right the right type of individuals, yeah. you know, to serve on your ministry. But, you know, I had, I definitely, I we've had our problems here. We've had our cancers. We've yeah. had guys that just, you know, were they were yeah. like cancer in a team. They were like poison. Yeah. And it spread, you know. And I think I'll pat myself on the back and say I did a pretty good job of weeding some of those out. Because yeah. some of those had to do with some staff members. But, uh for the most part, I, I, I always kept it private and I never let it affect my team. But mm-hmm. then I brought you in and it was very much, you were younger than a large majority of our volunteers. Yeah. You know, you're in early 30s. Mm-hmm. I, I think when you came on, you were 30 or 31, something like that. And so you're dealing with guys who are like, I was on a police department as long as you've been on the Alive. earth, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but you commanded their respect and, and and you took over the team really well. And I always had your back there, and I think that communication was important between the two of us. So for you leaders out there or pastors looking to bring somebody like a Byron in, you know, you, you have to have that communication. So yeah. go into that, and then and also kind of how you set up the SOPs and then how you implemented the newer SOPs with the volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: on what he was saying with volunteers, you're looking for volunteers that have the right attitude, that have the right energy, that have the right uh, optics and perspective and paradigm around volunteering. Um, if that isn't there, you're going to have a volunteer that's going to deal with people, uh, heavy ego, or all it takes is one or two incidents with someone who doesn't have the right mentality. And just because they're law enforcement or just because they're prior military, or just because they might have the appropriate hard skills doesn't mean they're going to be good on your volunteer force because, uh, one incident where they escalate a situation that doesn't need to be escalated because they're a tough guy or just because, you know, one incident where someone makes a mistake um, can give your security de- team department a bad name. And think about it. Church security or place of worship security. You're doing security among the same demographic. So your reputation sticks to you extra. It's not like a club where like new patrons are coming in. It's like you're reborn every single uh, night of the week. You know, like this, you're gonna, you are making a bed with a congregation, and so you know, making sure that you have people that have the proper like social dynamics and are are really doing the job in a way that is going to make your detail look good is very important. And that means they have to be on that team for the right reasons, just as he was saying. Um, <clears throat> so, just a side note there. Uh, and then, really, when it came to writing the SOPs, kind of my primary considerations were, you know, I was new to the environment, so I spent a lot of time. I spent a few Sundays just soaking everything up, looking at everything, uh, talking to different department heads, talking to the children's ministry. I, I came in and I leaned heavily on the people who had the knowledge of the lay of the land, the terrain, the customs and courtesies. Uh, the systems that are in place, what systems are working, what systems are uh, could be improved. Um, and it was really from that stuff that I, I then kind of added my perspective and added a little bit of kind of like my input on it and what I had taken and learned within my like private security experience. But I'd say like the keystone to coming in and taking <clears throat> the helm, that shit by the helm and doing it in a way that was like... Um, and that caused a very smooth transition really came down to understanding who's who in the zoo, showing respect to the right people and um, being able to gain rapport by leading with respect and make and, 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 and secure the right relationships to get the information. Because when you first come in, you need information in order to become accurate. And um, that was the main thing. Now, on that campus specifically, where I first created the SOPs there's so many considerations we have a school there we have a church there we have multiple services taking place at all times so on the volunteer side of things um those are kind of the things that we're always keeping in mind you know the volunteers are there more more often during the church services and church functions so actually those SOPs were more streamlined than my uniform guys SOPs um uh for sure but Uh, Really, the SOPs are designed to set a baseline that everyone's familiar with um, to give them a proper response or an appropriate response for any threat that you can come up with, for any emergency you can come up with, for any situation you can come up with. An SOP is a standard operational procedure for all of you who are just kind of getting into this game. Um, And really, the way I wrote those is I took a Sunday or a service day and I started from the beginning of the day. And I was like, what do they need to know from the very beginning of the day all the way to the end of the day and everything in between? And Nick, I mean, where am I gonna put everything? Where am I gonna put our medical caches, uh, our wheelchairs? Uh, where are we gonna take someone if there is an emergency? Um, just our brevity codes, uh, what to do when an ambulance gets on onto our property? Um, Just any and everything that you can really come up with is really what I put in those things. And it's a living document. So as things progress, you always want to be updating those things. Um, And then kind of the protocol is when we get a new person, it's in my welcome email. I send them a link to the SOPs and I go on ahead and I let them read those SOPs. And there's nothing really in the SOPs that's very sensitive to where if the SOPs got out, we would be undone, you know? Um... <clears throat> While it does have our protocols, it does and it does have principles that we operate by and it does have specifics, it doesn't necessarily have all of our tactics. Um things that are should only be privy to like myself and you and like uh leadership kind of cadre. We work out internally, uh yeah. on our own all and the we,
1: time. And we kinda have like built in within our team sort of like a little I don't know what you could call it it's like it's own little SF unit you know for different things Yeah. like we have our you know we have guys that like we know what they're there for they're there
0: for the for
1: the worst case scenario kind of thing and they're just sort of hanging out with us and we'll walk the campuses with them we'll we'll share with them our our, like how we're going to clear a specific building and Mm -hmm. what we're going to do in an active shooter scenario pro tip do not go by and purchase a super expensive active shooter training from a company that has the name response or something with a dog or something like that in it because it's free. You can get all this stuff from the Department of Homeland Security or you can go online on the tube of you and look up the L.A. County Sheriff's Department active shooter training. That 15 minute video has everything you need to know if you're listening to it and you're listening to everything they're saying, that has everything you need to know to properly set you, your staff up with an active shooter plan. Anyway,
0: continue, please. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, and that's what we had them come out and they just played the video and answered questions, (laughs) you know, like situation dictates tactics. And so I think the smartest approach, their approach is principled, you know, it's, You know, what do you, you have these three responses and what do you do in all these different situations? Well, you just take a look at which one of these tactics fits your situation best and then you respond, you know, because I could teach you, you know, what to do if there's a, you know, a purple elephant stampede or what to do if there's all these different things, but that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is you're going to need to have people educated in principles that they, that'll help them apply tactics relative to, to their situation at that time. Um, so yeah with the SOPs another thing I did was I went to every department head that was in our environment and I asked them hey what do you need what would you like to see what type of considerations do you have security related considerations um, on a Sunday on a service day um, and I just basically took in as much information as I could as quickly as I could to be able to fashion those those SOPs and I used this I really leaned heavily on the guys that have been there in the trenches before I came um And it worked out well and everyone, and then I applied, yeah, I applied my knowledge from overseas to the SOPs. And and what I know is ultra important once the service is started, you know, where I need guys to maintain a responsible security structure. Um, that's That's really kind of where I was at with the SOPs. Kind of going back to that information network, you know, Another reason why I do let large volumes, you know, why I do have so many people on our security team is because, you know, someone gets on one of our campuses and we recognize them or they're a bolo. The more eyeballs I have, the more information I have and people cannot disappear on our campuses anymore. Like if something happens, they're being watched by everyone. Oh, another thing. What about um, liaising with, kind of government organizations and contacts. And yeah, like I mean, that's huge.
1: Kind of going back to what I said before, one of the first things I did was I contacted my a, a local Department of Homeland Security representative. Uh, I became a member of InfoGuard. If, if you don't know what that is, Google it and become a member. That's like kind of one-on-one stuff. Like when somebody calls me and they're like, hi, I'm so-and-so with this church. And we're starting up a security team. One of the first things I tell them to do is to go ahead, become a member of Infoguard. What that opens up for you is, <clears throat> is number one, training. Legitimate training. Yeah, all okay? the time
0: On all kinds of things.
1: And you can take training for, well, one, I, I, I really highly recommend you become a TLO, which is a terrorism liaison officer. Take that course, learn how to report tips, mm-hmm. um, and, and have that. That uh, relationship with your local fusion center, which you're gonna have one because they're all over the United States. Uh, here we have two that we deal with, um, and then the the trainings that you're able to take is is everything from IED recognition to like the protective measures course I told you about. I've taken it twice. The surveillance detection course uh, that was opened up to us. Yeah, uh, churches are now considered. A critical infrastructure and because of that that opens up a lot of things to you on the federal and local side and building those relationships yeah the other thing we have uh, you're a little stronger with the guys in Riverside than I am but we have those direct contacts to Mm -hmm. our local law enforcement so if we have a problem we can report it directly to them if we get we've had times when we received a legitimate threat like for this one instance it was in the form of a letter and it was a death threat and the police officer who showed up like blew it off. And he's like questioning going, well, I don't think this is that big of a deal. Yeah. And then he wants to talk to the head pastor. And we're like, yeah, man, that's 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 just not going to happen right now. But I need you to take Dude. this report because that's what I meant. So what do I do? I contact that. that I think he's a detective, right? One, one of the two guys. Yes, yeah, our guys. They're detectives who are assigned to the local oh, JTTF oh. office and contacted him. He was like, yeah, what's the officer's name? Yes, stand by. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, the dude's attitude completely changed, and he took the report that he was asked to originally come and take. You know, and it was because we had those relationships yeah. there. Um, also, we are in communication with our uh, local first responder type teams, like our SWAT teams and such, yeah. as well as our bomb teams and our canine teams. We open up our facility for them to come and train on a regular basis some of those guys have turned into my best friends (laughs) you know one of them you know was just here at our service tonight and you know he's like one of the top one of the head guys on on that local SWAT team and I was just talking to him about him coming to this campus and and training yeah um we had a this campus here this smaller campus we had an active threat with that involved a rifle and a pistol uh luckily nobody was here but because of those relationships that we created they were able to tap into our video surveillance they were able to they already had blueprints on hand some of the guys had already been through here they knew the lay of the land they knew what it looked like and the situation was was uh ended 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 much better than it could have and it ended much smoother because there was that communication i was actually home at the time that that happened and I got a personal phone call from a lieutenant saying, I need you down here now. Yeah. And I was able to get in the command post, get on the phone to my IT guys who were able to get online and look at these cameras and kind of see what was happening inside and then relaying that information and those video feeds directly to that command post that was set up. And now they have direct communication with the operators on the ground, with the SWAT yep. teams on the ground. That which was caused amazing, everything to end. Which caused everything Happy to end. Happy ending. Which it it could have been a much worse ending than yeah, it was, you, yeah. And that wouldn't have happened without that communication. And just kindly offer it to them. If they don't take to it, then you know don't don't just stop trying. Yeah. Go above them, or go below them, or just find guys that will that that want to work with you. You know, mm-hmm. especially churches nowadays, they are a target. You are a target. Yeah. Bottom line, you're foolish to think otherwise. You're foolish to think it won't happen to me, mm-hmm. because. Guess what? You're talking to two guys right now who it's happened to multiple times at every level you could think of. And it it it, it's not a if, it's a when, you know, and you need to be prepared for that and you can work with your local law enforcement instead of just shunning them out like thinking that you know better. Well you know
0: yeah, and it's not so much even like I mean like it's something as simple as, you know, someone's being counseled and someone's husband or wife just doesn't want to deal with 90 percent most of the the issues that happen the active active shooters and um, human threat scenarios are domestic issues it's you know someone's wife's coming to church with their new boyfriend and Mm -hmm. uh the other husband rolls up and pops starts popping them in the parking lot or it's you know you know disgruntled husband that's going to come back and ends up shooting 20 some people in a church in texas you know uh and, you know, like a lot of these scenarios and a lot of things that happen if you start really researching um, violent acts that take place in in places of worship, a lot of it's just domestic stuff that spills over. Like even people that you think you know, you know, um, because you just have to look at what's happening there. You're, you're shepherding a segment of the public. Like really almost anything can happen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these things, it's, it's
1: definitely to be taken seriously. Um, and and for, you, for you, you know, the EP lifestyle guys out there, um, you know, that that maybe you have a church, maybe you have some experience. If you're, I don't know how to put this, but on, I want to get a little bit in, more in depth into the training aspect and, and the response of things. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy with a gun is not always the answer at a church. Mm. Actually, it's in our case, it's it hasn't been the answer yet. Yeah. Thank God for that. Yeah. Um, there are times when it could have been the answer, but it wasn't because of things that we had in place, and and I think I think the training. But on the on the training aspect of things, you know, I we're lucky enough to kind of have relationships with with trainers out there who mm-hmm. have a lot of experience who can who can kind of brainstorm. Like for me, one of the one of the big guys I I picked his head a lot is uh, is Mike Pannone Uh, with ctt solutions Uh, another guy was our our friend here chris scahill just walk in this place with us and then we have members of some very active uh swat teams from la county sheriff's Department, orange county sheriff riverside sheriff department those are teams that do a lot of call outs like i think orange county sheriff did more call outs last year than lapd did yeah (laughs) um and we pick their brains and we ask them you know because byron and i will discuss you know Issues and problems like how would we handle this? How would we deal with this? Mm-hmm. Um, on a threat side of things, and then we then we get together with guys like that, and and we just sort of spin it. and yeah. And they don't. These are also guys that don't play the whole like you know cool, what man. if
0: grasshoppers? Had what if
1: grasshoppers have machine guns? Ah, kind of thing. They don't. These are guys that don't play that game. They'll, they'll sit there and if 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 they like our response, they'll tell us they like it. You know, they big, actually that's they'll a great it, idea. Yeah. Or they might give us a couple, you know, devil's advocate things to see what we say. Like, no. Daryl's great at that, our friend Daryl. No. Uh, he's great at being devil's advocate. And if we answer him correctly, he's like, not bad. Yeah, well done. That's mm-hmm. that's awesome. I would do that. You know, but how do you, I know I know. for me, one of the big things I talked a lot to Mike Panone about was, you know, a kind of a gun threat in a church. Yeah. And he just looked at me, he's like, what do you do? A guy stands up with a gun in a church, dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, what do I do? Uh, Well, for me at least, with my physical capabilities and my training, I'm probably going hands-on because I don't want to think about having to make a shot in a sanctuary, to be honest with you, you know? And like I had guys like, well, I take a knee, so if I shoot, I'm shooting up. I'm like, well, guess what, dude? I got balconies and stuff. And yeah, that brief's really great, but it's not realistic. I'm probably going to go hands-on and things like that, but on a training side of things, I know a lot of churches, are. at least I have churches that contact me, they're like, where do I get firearms training and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, I have my own theories on marksmanship training. I don't believe you can become a good shooter by taking courses. Uh, But for you, you have a lot more experience kind of in the general, you know, public training aspect that I do. Um, What do you recommend for, for not just a volunteer team, but for the guys that work at the churches as well, like staff members? Um, like what has helped you in the last two years training wise prepare you better for the church to me repetition
0: is the mother of all skill and learning Um, and so what I've found is like courses are exposure to tactics but if you really want to benefit from the tactics you're learning or if you really want to benefit from you know you really want to get good at a skill you need repetition and so What's helped me more than anything is getting up on Saturday and going and shooting in a competition. Mm. Even if it's just once or twice a month, take a course and then get up and go to your local competition. I I think USAA or IDPA are are both great places where you can learn how to manipulate your firearm, shoot, move, and learn to process and think while you're shooting. Um, And guys that I think do that on a regular basis, I think perform... Outperform guys that just go to courses on a regular basis, um, and so when it, if we're talking about hard skills and staying sharp when it comes to firearm stuff, I'm gonna say that uh, getting out, getting on practicescore.com, taking a look at what shooting matches are taking place in your area, getting your five mags and <laughs> fifteen <laughs> yeah well if you're in california yeah and yeah and and going ahead out there and being vulnerable and seeing how you stack up and pushing yourself is the best way to in my opinion to stay sharp because you don't have time like you know we don't always have time to just go and like do you know just range days and things like that you know it's it's the good thing about competing is you got a stopwatch, you got a timer, you got people watching you, can get a little stress monster on it. Um, what about what yourself.
1: about on the non firearms side? What trainings? Like for me, oh, the one yeah, thing yeah, that yeah, really yeah. stands out is the, the thing with uh, Yusuf. Like, uh, the wow. counter
0: surveillance stuff. Yusuf Badu was another guest that I had, and he teaches. Uh, he his, he's got a company called Emergence, and he their slogan is predicting people, and he. Taught the Hunter Killer program to the Marine Corps uh, for almost a decade. And one of the most, uh, I think, important classes that I've taken really to help me out in private security, and also um, something I think has contributed the most heavily to kind of what's really made a lot of our best guys good uh-huh. is one that book, Left of Bang, that talks about that program and the different various tactics that are involved in. Uh, learning how to predict people and learning how to predict pre-threat indicators um, and, and and really a lot of training, all the training around that. If there is one course or one type of learning, I would say that you need to expose your volunteers to and expose your security personnel to. Really, with any type of security you're doing, I would say it is the pre-threat indicator, uh, left of bang, hunter-killer type stuff um, because that's what we're doing. Yeah. Essentially, that's I what.
1: I think it's the most it's by far the most informative course that pertained to this job. I took Pertinent. all year Yeah. and I, you know, I'm not really a course hoe, no, but not. I, <laughs> I, I, that was one that like the second you told me about it, I was like, yes, yeah, absolutely. I'm signing up for that and I'm spending my own personal money on it. And I think I bought 30 left of bang books to hand out to guys. Yeah. And, and I, I, I just asked guys like I, it was to the point where in our security briefing Sunday morning, I told them about the class I took that we took and that we had a couple guys there too, and a yeah. few of our staff members we and, some folks. And, and volunteers there. And I was like, if anybody is interested in this book, come up to me right now. I'll buy it. And, and I'll <laughs> buy you the book right now. And He bought some books. Half the guys <laughs> half the guys just got it them, is that on Amazon? Cool. And they just bought it. But yeah. I got one the guy was like, one. I need it on Kindle. And yeah. they were getting audiobooks and stuff. So I know a lot more members on the team ended up getting it, you know, themselves but that I think was a huge, and huge. they talked about it, you know, and they were like, they're like, you know, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. It's like this, this job can be as fun as you, as you make it. As you make yeah, it. Yeah. 100%. Know?
0: What would you say about, uh, canine response?
1: Oh, canine. That's something that. Obviously. Man, if there's, <laughs> when uh-huh. I get into the conversation with other directors of security at churches, uh. It's usually like, you got this? Yeah, you got this? Yeah. You got this? Yeah. You got this? Yeah. And I usually hit, well, two things. The roof guys. Yeah, the roof guys. That's one where they're like, oh, dang it. That's a (laughs) great idea. (laughs) And so, you know, a large majority of of these security protocols that I put into place, I stole from other people. For example, we have a good relationship with the guys at Disneyland. And when I heard Disneyland started doing bag searches, I was like, the happiest place on earth does bag searches. We can do Absolutely, that. I can do bag searches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, when I present it to my boss, I'm like, I want to do this. He's like, What? I'm like, Disneyland's doing it. <laughs> and he's like, What are you talking about? Yep. I'm like, You can't go to Disneyland right now without getting your bag searched. You can't. Bottom do it. line. Yep. And then those guys, the other churches. Yeah. I mean, from another huge mega church in the area, the guys like, You guys are doing bag searches? Yeah. He goes to his pastors like, Hey, it. Pastor Harvest is doing bag searches. He's like, They are. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, yeah, we should, we should be doing bag searches. And the guy's like, ha, it worked. Yeah. But where I always trump everybody is on the canine side of things. And we were very fortunate to have uh, guys from a, a, a me- members of Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, uh, SEB team, and the, as members of our church. And they worked locally with uh, a, a guy named Daryl Gaunt, paraclete canine, if you are looking for anything canine related, he is the go-to guy. Yep. He is like, this. It it comes to the point now that when I meet dog guys, if I mention his name to them and they don't know who he is, it's like they're instantly not legitimate in my eyes. Because I've met guys from the top tier units in the military that are dog guys, and I mention his name, and they're like, "Oh yeah, absolutely. Like we know who he ever." It's it's like being. A, a long range shooter and not knowing who Todd Hodnett is. Like you just, if you don't know who he is then you just don't know that world, you know, and, and, and Daryl's that kind of guy. So Daryl kind of got us started into this and we got really lucky. He found us this really special dog that was, uh, that was coming out of a military team that lost a toe and, you know, we got her and then he found out she was on odor and he sponsored her through, bomb school and then our church paid a little bit of money too for the hybrid sense and things like that that she needed to have for bomb school and now we have a dog that would cost us 80 to 100 grand to purchase right now for a very very low low price and we have multiple handlers that are that are experienced handlers that can come on and and handle her and man that dog thing that was yeah that was something that at first people were like why is there a dog here now it's like where's,
0: where's the, the dog, dog? Yeah. And she's
1: the most popular where's member of, of our way?
0: where's the dog
1: she's the most popular member of our yeah. entire security team when she's there everybody's like happy when she's not there everybody's like where is she and i'm like what do we chop liver like we're just yeah. <laughs> like uh, they they love the dog they love seeing her work they love seeing her do her little bomb search. And she she does a whole campus-wide search, including the sanctuary before it opens. Exactly. Uh, before we show up, we've had guys walk up, drop backpacks, run away. I was like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> seen this movie, you know. And from afar, he guy throws a little laser on it, sends her on a search. And we're just like, please don't sit. Please don't yeah, sit. Don't please sit don't, don't sit. sit, sit please don't sit. And, you know, she goes, sniffs it, comes back. He's like, bag's clear. Then mm-hmm. we go and we check the bag and it ends up being some you know homeless dude who just threw his bag down and he was running to the bathroom or something yeah so you know it's that's been a huge and talk about a, a, a force multiplier you know it's, yeah. it's a it's the biggest deterrent people there. walk up and they're like what's your dog do <laughs> and the best is when the guy walks up is your dog is that a drug dog I'm like yep yep <laughs> <laughs> she's not but I just say she is because why yep. not and the guy's like oh uh what, what can she smell? Everything. Everything ever. She's a bomb dog, a drug <laughs> dog, and the meanest biting dog you've ever seen in your life. But she is a patrol dog, and there is a certain responsibility to that. There's an SOP behind that. There's a liability behind that. Um, there's responsibility behind that. But the canine thing is, it's so awesome. Yeah. And it has pastors, uh, security guys out there. It has worked. It does work. It's a massive deterrent. Huge, huge deterrent. Yeah. It's the biggest deterrent Uh, that we have. I have seen giant human beings, big old Samoan guy, twacked out of his mind. And he's looking at us. He's like, I don't think you'll shoot me. And uh, this is before we had tasers. We have tasers now. But it's before we had tasers. And I remember looking at Tim, (laughs) who was was my my guy before I had Byron here. And just looking at Tim like, this is going to suck. If we have yeah, to fight this guy, this is this is gonna gonna, even though it. there's two Everyone of us. Is gonna pay for this. this is <laughs> this is going to suck. Mm-hmm. K-9 guys hits the radio, he's like, K9 up, step back. He comes up with her and her little vest. She starts, she keys in on the guy, starts, starts doing the bark. This guy, I've never seen a giant Samoan run so fast in my entire life. This guy turned and burned so quick, because he was like, they'll definitely let that dog bite me. They won't and be, I, no, yeah. He just like, he was just like, pew. Uh, yeah. Again, you. Everybody's kind of scared of her if they if they have something to be scared about. And if they don't, it's just like that's the cutest dog ever, and yeah. we love her. And she's literally like the most popular member of our team. She's like mm-hmm. a mascot. Yeah. But she she's there to work, and she's serious. And and you know, some we don't always have a handler available. And you know, like last weekend, I thought I was gonna have a handler, and he didn't show up. And you know, I I put her in a vest and just let her kind of sit around and hang out, but I don't run her. I can't put my hands on her and you have to educate yourself on that as well. If you get a canine knowing what you can and can't do for me, I've made a few mistakes where, you know, thank God I had the control I do over her because that was one of those like she could have bit the wrong person scenario. So I have made my mistakes in that, but for the most part, it is a, it's a big force multiplier and huge. a huge deterrent to have her around. And, uh, and it's fun. It's yeah. fun having it. It's fun having a canine around. She's just, it, it's it's a huge asset for us. A huge, massive asset. Anything we're freaked out about, we can send the canine. And we also get to work with her on, you know, on our version of an HRT side as well, because she has a lot of experience doing that from her former job. And the handler knows how to do that because they know how to run that. So uh, so we get to work with her a lot and it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Another thing I'd say too is have –
0: set up your security team but also try to have like an elder or a pastor that's like your security pastor. That's your like security ninja, pastor, elder, kind of your church response for security issues person because um, when everything's going on at the church and it's, you know, whatever Sunday, it's just – such an awesome tool to have where it's like okay this person's not really a security threat maybe they're disgruntled maybe they're upset they don't want a bunch of guys circling them and like staring at them like they're a threat when they're not actually a threat and it can like escalate the situation when all you can do is like you see someone who's upset and is maybe starting something that could escalate into something but probably wouldn't if you do the right thing and you say you know what hey man looks like you're upset let me get you a pastor and you can, you know, make a formal, have a formal conversation about this or we can see find, see if there's any way we can get you some help or get you what you need. Um, it almost instantly defuses the situation. Or, hey, you know what? It seems like this between me and you is not working. Let me get you a pastor or let's bring a pastor in and, you know, so he can, someone else can also hear you out and we can see if we can get your needs met. Like, it's literally like you've kiboshed. Uh, the no, years. I, I,
1: in our, in our SOP. The, an, everything the answer good. to almost every Maybe question sort of is get a pastor. Get a pastor, <laughs> um, yeah. because then also you're kind of throwing the liability. You're for the for the staff guys out there. You're really taking a lot of that liability and decision making off of your plate. Yeah, uh, it's it's very nice for us, and we have we're lucky enough here. We got some pretty you know good man awesome. pastors around, yeah. a lot of experience and. And they believe in what we do and they know our place. And also and they have our backs. There's all of these pastors know that like for me, well, in for example, that the guy that we spoke of earlier in this service mm-hmm. um, you know, or not this service, but in this podcast, that situation, those pastors learned really quickly that uh, that we needed like they knew real quick when I walked up, I was like, I've got this. Like I need yeah. to be the one that handles this guy now. This is out of your just control. This left the realm is, of this ministry. Is, this is me now. Yeah, and and I had to handle that guy the way that you know. you handle him? Yeah, did security work. So it uh, it just was what it was. But when my pastor set this up for us, uh, I told him I said, you, you know how do I how do I do this? Who do I turn to? Because. These pastors they don't have the experience we have, they don't have the education or the training and they're not going to get that continuing education yeah. and training that we're going to get. Mm-hmm. And the way my boss put it to me was, you don't work for these pastors and these pastors don't work for you. You work together. You work with, with. these pastors and these pastors work with you. Mm-hmm. And he he made that known to to the staff, you know, like hey, when they need to take control of a situation, let them do so. Yeah. A medical situation, we're usually the ones that handle yeah, those. You them. know, they're like, oh, she's fine. She's, nope. We know the liability involved if you yeah, fall. We're calling. If you pass out and you fall down, you're going. You're, you're an ambulance in. is being called. That's just the way we're it is. It's being called. Yeah. Sorry. Um, you know, so we they know when it's our time to take over control of a situation. But for mm-hmm. the most part, a, a lot of our situations just get passed off to them. You yeah. know, um, and and yeah, you want to um, jump in on
0: that a bit. Yeah, no, the pastor thing is great. It's a it's a great force multiplier, and it keeps a lot of the high friction stuff out of security's lap. You know, it's it makes it look like you look like you're there to facilitate uh, church operations in a way that kind of like gives the church an opportunity to continue with its mission. And you're trying. It's it's like EP. Like you're trying to let the client live their life. Uh, In a way where you're disrupting the least amount of things and you're kind of like not even there, but you're adding safety. You know, it's like we're trying to let the church do what the church does. And we're trying to stay out of the way as possible, as as out of the way as possible. Me and my uh, all my gear, I barely even actually address things that don't aren't an actual safety threat. Um, I let my volunteers who are in plain clothes and look way less threatening do it. Um, and with this, with this pastoral thing, it's like we lead with pastoral all the time, and it lets the church make a decision on things that you know
1: uh, that they. I mean, they're also dealing with that liability, you know. Um, I, I I will say this though, like at least at least for us, the the tone around our campus now in regards to us being in you know the exposed you know gear that we are in now, we sometimes we are the ones that people walk up to now. We're kind oh, yeah. of. We definitely play much more are. of a PR role now, mm-hmm. and it's much more, you know, we don't just stand there like and nobody talks to us yeah, anymore. No, That's not the way it is. Like we're, we're part of the family. My volunteers, I, I tell my volunteers, I'm like, I want you guys to be like the special forces of volunteers. Like, if parking yeah. needs help, we're going to go help them, and we're going to be like the best parking volunteers of all time. If the ushers need help, if guys need help, like, you know, with... Uh, With the money or with the offer and something like that, we're going to do it and we're going to do it better than it's ever been done. When it's pouring rain outside and nobody wants to be outside to greet people or to see people in, we're going to be out there doing that job. Mm -hmm. And you cannot have a volunteer team that is like, no, all I do is this. I just do security. It's like no, a bad security guy who's like, yeah. I'm not a coffee
0: getter. Or I can't put yeah, car, I, I, seat, I, I, car seats in the car. It's like, dude, you're not serious. I don't carry bags, bro. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe. But I just... I, the guys I've seen win, do it all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Today, we're popcorn poppers. It's pop as popcorn today. Yeah. yeah
1: and, and that's the way I want to... I want... That's that's the spirit I want from my That's volunteers. a good volunteer. That's a healthy and, volunteer. Like, I... And, and me as a director... I don't ask, as a leader, I don't ask my guys to do anything I'm not already doing or haven't done before or, well or won't right do enough. with them right alongside of them. Yeah. You know, like if I ask you to stand up on the roof in 110 degree weather, well, I'm guess what? When it. you look down, you're going to see me and Byron right there with you in the 110 degree weather and full kit out there, the whole service, keeping eyes, staying sharp, not sitting down ever. and, and, and treating,
0: you know, It yeah, like an operation. Yeah. Another thing that came to mind, too, is the GoPro game. Ah, that's been clutch. So, on my kit, I have a GoPro mounted on my shoulder. And, um, you know, when you're dealing with... And I know you guys out in law enforcement understand this. When you're dealing with different troubled individuals, it is very nice to be able to just... Beep. Beep, beep, beep. Red lights flashing. And now they know... Everything that's happening is being recorded. Um, and there's another thing that I put on my kit that everyone was like, oh, we got a camera. What are you doing with the camera? What's up with the camera? And I was like, this is for my protection. You know, I'm in Southern California. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you it lowers the liability for the church. It helps you take in uh, information that becomes very pertinent what that guy look like? You're getting face shots. You got the fisheye recording absolutely everything, the conversation. Yeah. Uh, People don't act crazy when they know they're on camera as much. And if they do, you know they really mean it and it's about to get really, really, really like they're going all the way, (laughs) you know, like um, it has helped quell a lot of different situations. And then like with a GoPro, you know, I can take a video, check. This is how it happens. Like something happens. This happened like... Like Like a couple times last week. Oh no, last
1: week the the protester.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, this is how it happens. Something's going on. Beep. Turn on my camera. I'm recording. We're talking. Uh, You know, you say X Y Z. One two three. Blah 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 blah. Good bad whatever. We get done. I upload the video straight to my phone. I send it straight to our Dropbox where we have all of our bolos and different situations and things like that. Maybe Luke's at a different campus, or maybe I just need my volunteers to get information to take screenshots of the person's face. So look give a quick like hey dude down at the sign there's a there's a guy with a sign bolo this is what we need to do if you see him let us know if he comes on campus and i shoot that out to the whole entire team via our group chat and everyone's in the loop everyone's in the loop now everyone on the whole team and then i pass over the radio check your group chat i just sent bolo information and i send a quick little um a quick little sit rep on it and situation representation a uh, couple lines on it and that's it and everyone already has the same information now we're you know the information's gotten to the team we still have about an hour or 45 minutes left in service and everyone's able to uh, be more most effective with that information mm-hmm. you know and then and the after-action situation if anything happens we can go back to that video that I recorded um, in high-def of me and him having that conversation when you have to kick people off of the property you got to make sure they know that they've been kicked off the property uh, Having a camera running when you're telling them, sir or ma'am, you know, uh, this is I'm formally letting you know that, you know, if you come back on this property, we will call law enforcement and you'll be charged with trespassing and all that stuff and you have it recorded, you're good. You're good. You know, so um, having a GoPro on your kit is a huge force multiplier. I haven't done it in like an actual EP setting yet, but I have done it in the exposed setting and it has been fantastic because I mean in exposed work you're dealing with people uh, if you're not an officer it's it's it can be high friction having that camera can lessen that friction yeah
1: absolutely absolutely man so um, before we end I, I want to go into something you say all the time when you talk to our team and I want you to kind of touch on it for a bit but I don't know where it came from I want to say I made it up but I don't think I did but Uh, something we always say is every Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday and we always start our meetings off by that because a lot of guys like here's something that that happens a lot Uh, something bad happens church shooting I think was the last one where he's like hey uh, just want to make sure we're up in security you know you get like an email from a pastor or something like that the pastors that, that are close to us that know what we're how here we doing roll. and how we roll, they know that they don't need to make those calls because every security protocol and procedure that we have is already in place every Sunday, no matter what. Yeah, We're not, you know, like heightening. We, we don't have a level of heightened security. We're at heightened security at all times. And that kind of started this like every Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday thing where every Sunday is is uh you know could be the last game you play you yeah. never know when it's going to happen but mm-hmm. go into that a bit more you're yep <clears throat> I started that, that was I one. still think <laughs> it was me was just, yeah.
0: yeah was that you? no <laughs> it was me But whatever, whatever. anyway so yeah man every Sunday Super Bowl Sunday and it really just comes from being in the Marine Corps and being like I could die today and I'm getting ready to go out on a mission and there's a dude who's been training or maybe he's just lucky that can kill me and so every single day hey this could be my last day make it count um so that's translated into hey every sunday super bowl sunday this could be the sunday that we have that guy try to drive over people on the patio this could be that sunday but we've hardened our campus to really make it that pretty hard to do actually
1: yeah um for free we found a concrete guy he donated the concrete and he built us like basically barriers and blockade use your assets
0: Uh, um but every sunday super bowl sunday man in fact every day that you're in the private security Mm -hmm. industry is the day you know if you lace up your boots and you go to work you're writing a blank a blank check and if you're in law enforcement it's the same thing if you're holding a weapon because it's part of your combat your daily you got a lunch box a pack lunch and a gun then you are writing a blank check and so um really man that mentality of this is the day we have to show up and do our best being every single day we strap up uh, that's a mentality that I say at every single one of our meetings and it's something that everyone kind of giggles about because then Super Bowl Sunday does eventually come around and everyone's like trying to beat you to it and they're like it's Super Bowl Sunday we are like yeah this is great you know so those are just a few thoughts off the top of our heads I'm sure we'll have more and we'll probably do another one at some point and yeah. go more in depth uh, every of the things we touched on in this podcast concerning church security can be gone much more into much more deeply. You know, the structures and formations in the sanctuary can be gone way, we can go way deeper into that. Uh, Immediate action considerations, you know, we can go into those types of things. Um, Naturally, always walk in the fine line between what we can and can't share here because we always, we keep the sensitive things close to our chest, but church security is it's, it's like a new frontier. It's becoming like almost a requirement on an insurance to get better insurance premiums for churches now. So it's, uh, it's something that, that, that's here to stand. I think that that industry is only going to grow. So, um, that's about all we have to share for now. Thank you so much for tuning in and check out my, my Patreon account to support this podcast. And, uh,
1: you got a Patreon account,
0: dude? I got Patreoned up, man. What? what do you do I this gotta has? support this thing. Ah, uh, like a month just, ago. He's just taking over. Gotta the world support over this there. thing, man. We're taking over the world. Germany Christmas. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I, need sponsors. some marketing. Um. Yeah. PWS. PWS is the best. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kind of rhymes actually. Just so Can't jealous. wait to see them at Shot Show. Can't wait to get my new PCC gun. Shh, you're and getting run one. Run all, yeah, run all over with that. Look out for that. You guys know my, uh, my, uh, the code, ten percent off. Byron and um, yeah, man, uh, PWS is where it's at. Gray man is where it's at. I have been loving. Oh, I'm gray waiting man for suit. my gray man suit right he now. He got one. I got. He I ordered one. Cost me I needed, so much money. I need to <laughs> but do... But it's totally worth it. Yeah. It's so good. It and there's
1: a discount. I used your discount too. Awesome. And, and I... he gave me a bunch of... So the guy was great. I've emailed him back and forth a few times now because uh, I've gotten kind of jacked and tan as of recent. I've lost about 20 pounds of fat, put on about 15 pounds of muscle. No big so, deal. So like I get the fitting garment. It doesn't fit. I'm like, eh. <laughs> it's no, like, no. Was, but he's been great. I wanted to add a couple things. And because... I used Byron's code. Uh, he was able to add a few a uh, few little things little that I accoutrements, wanted. To, oh yeah, um, the yeah. little extra things you can do to the suits. Like, nice. I, he was like, "Yeah, I got you. Don't no. Don't worry about that. I'll take care of that." You're Byron. Awesome. You're, uh, you you use Byron's code. That's what's up. And I was like, "Cool." This
0: is what's up. <laughs> Finally, you hooked me up with so many things. I'm glad to be a oh, to It
1: was rad. Yeah. So um, what's up? Uh, sh- I I have to shout out to Surefire. Heck yeah! Always. There's just nothing else, guys. I shot a night match recently and... I'm shooting the next one. I was in a night... Are you? Oh, yeah, I can't. I'm going to have a baby by then, so I can't. But um, I was shooting with a bunch of people who were using other brands that start with S. I don't want to talk smack, but you guys know who I'm talking about. Everybody's stuff was breaking down. Everybody's stuff was breaking down. And I was shooting with a, a vice president of the suppressor division, Barry Duke, and he had a whole bunch of extra surefire lights with him. So he just starts throwing them on people's guns and handing them the handhelds like, oh, your handheld broke? Here, use this. Oh, use it this. Works. He had to collect like 10 lights at the end of the match because all these lights broke down. It was hilarious. That's awesome. Um, you know, there was one guy, because this is a shooting match, it's a competition. One guy had two flashlights on his gun. Both flashlights broke down and Barry puts the new one of the new Scout light Surefires on there, yeah, like the twelve hundred lumen one, and that one light was brighter than this dude's Drowning two flashlights stupid oh, light. So funny, um, watching it just break down on the poor guys. But uh, yeah, Surefire, it's just it's kind of there's really nothing else, um, and then there uh, really isn't, you know, uh, Terran Tactical innovations. Absolutely. I've just got the whole PCC setup, um. My homie Jade out there, she let me shoot her PCC at Area 2. Uh, pistol caliber carving, at Area 2 and 9 mil. And I use my pistol caliber carving. It's my wife's gun as well. And it's her uh, home defense gun. A 9 mil PCC for a home defense gun with 16 inch barrels, pretty amazing because it's very quiet and you can shoot it actually without ear pro. Yeah. And there's no big concussion. And True then story. I did some testing with Mike Pannone on some P plus P ammo going through a 16 inch barrel and we figured that the power factor was the same as a 357 magnum so that's a pretty awesome little home defense setup but i shot jades at area two and i was like this is cheating so i sent my mpx my six hour mpx to uh and he did that whole package to me i don't know everything it entails but it's just awesome so uh but yeah and and of course 511 511 has been amazing to our church uh, everything all, we yeah. we uh, yeah. like all of our duty shirts and pants that we wear the strike a lot of us wear the strike pants. Uh, they've been amazing to our church Heck and they're yeah. they're very friendly to churches. So so contact them and uh, a lot of their new clothes are are fantastic. I'm wearing yeah. their jeans right now and these jeans are like it's like the Lululemons of jeans. They're <laughs> they just like lemons. so stretchy and snug. <laughs> they're awesome. But that's all I got, man.
0: Boom. That's all I got, man. So. Yeah. Until the next
1: episode. Yeah. If you guys have questions or things you want uh, to dive into more, hit up Byron and uh, and just just ask away, man, and we'll answer any questions we can, or maybe we'll collect those up and do a part two to this.
0: Yes. So. Check out the way. Oh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, all of it. Find yeah, me, Byron Rogers, Byron underscore Rogers. Or you can find find it on the website, executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. Or my website, byronrogers.com. Until next time, y'all. See you on the next video. (laughs) Out. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place by teaching people how to protect themselves and the mindset behind that, the lifestyle behind that. You guys are already killing it. $1 a month. Five dollars a month, ten bucks a month, twenty bucks a month, whatever you can do that you know you would probably just lose in the mattress anyway or spend on McDonald's, hey, you want to put it towards something that's going to good use, put it towards a podcast and get involved in our, our Patreon account at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. And if you want to find me, that's Byron Rogers Motivation.com. Um, you know, do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can to that Patreon account because it makes all of these things possible, ladies and gentlemen. So much love And is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing, executive protection uh, Facebook group online. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. Uh, Follow us on Instagram and check us out at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. If you want to find me, that's byronrogersmotivation.com. And I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. So until the next podcast, y'all, stay sharp out there. And as I say it, one mind, many weapons. Talk soon. Out.